Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He is Zach Goodman. Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball betting is here. Bet $5 with DraftKings and get $200 in instant bonus bets, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. Good morning, good morning, good morning. As I alluded to, or actually just not alluded to, said to start the show, I'm Paul, he's Zach, we're back for another edition of the Bat Around, and look, Kyle Bradish went out, took the mound uh, last night, and he absolutely shoved. Four innings pitched, two hits, one walk, one of those hits was a, was a solo home run, but one earned run, eight strikeouts. And I got to tell you, Zach, to start, this Orioles rotation, and the five that we expect to be in the rotation, and that's Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, um, Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Bradish, they have looked really good. Yeah. Kyle Bradish's ERA of two is the highest of the five. It's pretty good. It's the highest <laughs> of the five. Next highest is Grayson Rodriguez at, oh man, terrible, 1.93. Mm. The other three, um, Kramer, Irvin, Gibson, all have ERAs of 1.8. Small sample size, but they're all pitching extremely well. Yeah. And then you look at the other guys who are battling for a rotation spot, and we talked about how this would kind of figure itself out um, as things went along. Wells, he was, he was decent the other day. More than decent. He was good the other day. But Wells and both, to that point, hadn't looked good. And it's you're kind of seeing the the cream rise to the top with this starting rotation. And these are the five guys that we expect to be there. Now, Dean Kramer isn't going to pitch for the Orioles, at least for a little bit, because uh, he's with Team Israel. I don't know how far we should expect Team Israel to go. Um, in the World Baseball Classic? I wouldn't expect super far. Given the Dominican Republic talent and the, the Cuban talent, and mm-hmm. especially the American team, is, is very good too. So they will have a tough time, I would say. I'd expect to see Dean Kramer back before Mullins and Santander, personally. I would expect to see him a, back. Especially, I mean, Santander's on the Venezuelan team, I believe, and Mullins is on the American team. And if you look at that American roster, it's a, it's pretty stacked. I'm not sure how anyone's beaten that or the Dominican Republic team. I think it's going to come down to those two in the end, if, if I had to guess. I know you're not a big World Baseball Classic guy. I no, no, I love the World What are you talking about? Oh, really? I, I love the World mm-hmm. Baseball okay. Classic. Fair enough. I, I, I thought you weren't. No, I, I, I don't know much about who's on what teams, but I know that the, the uh, Venezuelan team has Santander and they have... Um, Altuve. Uh, I know that the Netherlands team has Jonathan Scope and Xander Bogarts. Um, the Dominican Republic, they're stacked. Team USA. It, when Cedric Mullins is coming off your bench, th- your your team is stacked. And Mike Trout, for some reason, and I get it, he's Mike Trout, but he's getting all of the attention right now. Well, to me, it seems like a bad idea for Mike Trout to be in this in the first place. That was my first thought when I saw Mike Trout there. I mean, he is... A, you know, all-American kind of guy. I mean, Mike Trout is... I've said this before on the show. I know you laughed at it last time. But he is an all-American kid. That's what you would call Mike Trout. And he he embodies American baseball. I mean, that's, that's one way I would definitely put it. But the man gets injured so much that I can't imagine being him and saying... Well, let's pump the brakes on that. I mean, he, he's, he, been, he's, he's been injured the better part of the last two years. Yeah. 
But before that, he was as he was as consistently in the lineup as anybody in the game. Well, I, I, that's fair. But the, we know that these last two years of injuries have done serious harm on his body. Joe Madden talked about that when he was still the Angels' manager. That you know they might have to move him into the into the corner outfield at one point, and, and he might end his career as a as a corner outfielder, DH, first base. Who knows? Because his body took so much you know stress and, and strain from these injuries. They they weren't easy on him, and he's a guy who's not a spring chicken anymore. He's in, in his what early thirties now, thirty one, thirty two. Yeah. He's he's thirty one. Thirty one. So right. So I don't know. I I think it's a it's an interesting decision. Hopefully, stays healthy. I mean, we all want to see well, that. I mean, last year he played in what like a hundred and four games, and he still hit forty home runs. Oh, he, he, I'm, was, I'm not questioning the talent. He's he's still if he's healthy, he's a top three player in the game. He's still got to be a favorite for MVP. Um, but look, and something it's something that I struggle with as I'm getting up there more. Okay, it's all relative, right? I'm not getting up there as far as life is concerned, but I'm getting older, um, and my body doesn't recover the same way, and and I struggle with that because I still want to work out like I'm in my 20s, you know. But I honestly I can't do that, and Mike Trout might be struggling with the same thing when he was 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. It probably came a little bit easier to him to um you know, recover and get back into the game and play 162 games or 155 games or, or what have you. Um, now he's in his 30s and, you know, he also has a, a, like a degenerative back issue. I think I heard, or I think that's what it is, where it's something that like, maybe he couldn't help. Yeah. And so, and, yeah. and back stuff, that, that, that once you have it, it doesn't go away. You know what I mean? And so it, it's just one of those things where, He's getting older. He's got the the issues. If he has to move the corner outfield or he has to DH some, okay, he mm-hmm. has to move the corner outfield or he has to DH some. Mm-hmm. He's still Mike freaking Trout. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the whole this whole conversation has kind of just gotten off track here, just because of the fact that we were saying that Mike Trout's getting all the attention over there, despite how good that roster is. And look, Team USA has a game tonight. It's their first game in the round robin play. They play at nine o'clock. Uh, who are they playing tonight? Um, I didn't pay attention to that. I'll have to look that up, but. You know, trying to focus. Did I leave my phone in the? I left my phone in the freaking. Oh, that's not. Um, I'll get it during the break. Um, but yeah, no, they, Team USA is absolutely stacked. Yeah, they're they're absolutely. I'll find out for us. But getting back to the original point, is the Orioles rotation has looked absolutely fantastic to start here, and somebody else that's looked at looks absolutely fantastic to me, is Ryan Mountcastle, and. This is what we were hoping to see. Now, look, it's spring training. It's 18 at-bats. Maybe we pumped the brakes a little bit on... Um, maybe we pumped the brakes a little bit on, oh, he's going to have a monster season. He's going to have a monster season. But it beats the alternative, right? You don't want to take read too much in or too little, for that matter, into yeah. spring training numbers. But the fact of the Never matter done. is Ryan Mountcastle's hitting three thirty three this spring. He has six base hits, and they're all extra base hits. So it's Great Britain uh, at the United States tonight. So we will see that game. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we saw the, the Ryan Mountcastle, I believe it was, what, a grand slam he hit the other day. And we saw mm-hmm. that. They, they still are able to, even they're not televising these things, they're able to catch some of them videos. We saw that on the Orioles' social media pages. Um, he looks great. He's not chasing as much this year so far from what I've seen. And obviously, that's, again, a limited sample size given what we've been able to see on TV. Um, um, and that goes for the starting pitchers, too. Really, the only one I've, I've watched in depth is Cole Irvin so far. But you see what Mountcastle is doing at the plate, and he looks 
better as far as the approach goes. And we need that refined approach. I mean, that's that's what we've been asking for from Ryan Mountcastle. And I think that's what the Orioles are going to be asking for from Ryan Mountcastle, to have that refined approach, to be able to control his zone better, to know his zone better, um, and to, to make better swing decisions. Because at the end of the day, that's really what it is for him. There's When he makes impact with the ball, it's, it's a fantastic impact. I, nobody's questioning that. So he's just got to make more more impact and more contact. That's all it is. Yeah, and, and so far so good. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hayes has also been swinging a decent bat. Uh, he went over three last night, but he hit, he has he hit a three run homer I think on back to back days. Yeah. Um. So, and maybe it really is proof that he was hurt mm-hmm. last year that he was playing through some stuff. Now, here's the thing: Mountcastle and Hayes both got off to hot starts last year. Yeah. They were both raking through June, and then July, August, September they. Both fell off a cliff. Well, I was going to say this is Austin Hayes every year. Yeah, yeah, it, it it really is. Now, with the exception of look, he start he started hot in 2021, but then he got hurt, and then when he came back, it was really the second half of the season that he tore the cover off the right. ball, and he, and he put together a really solid season in 2021. Last year was the first year that he played more than 130 games. I think he played 144, 145 games last year. Um, Hit 250. He hit 15, 16 home runs. The problem is he was hitting like 290 with like 12 home runs uh, through June. Yeah. And again, fell off a cliff. Now look, his his hand got cleated and like a spike went like straight through his hand. Yeah. Okay. He he had he got his cage rattled making a diving catch not too long after that. Yeah. Um. He kept getting hit on the wrist. Now look, Austin Hayes stands so damn close to the plate. Uh, I, I hope yeah. that he's adjusted that because he was getting hit so much because he is literally standing on the chalk. He's literally standing on the chalk right next to the plate. Yeah. You don't want to get hit. Take a few take a few inches step back. Yeah. Like. That and maybe he has, but it'll be really interesting. I don't hold a lot of faith that he's ever gonna. The the talent's there, the capability is there. I don't have enough faith because I've never seen it that he's gonna right. stay healthy through an entire season and be the player that we know he can be. Right. I mean, I coming up through the the minors, there was almost no one in the Orioles system for a long time that had the talent of Austin Hayes, true five tool player when he was coming up. I think he's lost some of the speed that he had before. If you look at the metrics, especially on Baseball Savant, yeah. they'll show you he definitely he's bulked up and he's added muscle and he's become more of that corner outfield type. When he was coming up, he was more of a center fielder kind See, of guy. See, you, you said that last year too, and he hasn't bulked up. I mean, he's he, pretty big. He he made he's pretty big. He made the he's always been that size. He actually made the change because he said that he kept getting hurt and was. Having the shoulder issues because he was bulking up, he's made the change over the sure, last two to three years to get leaner and more flexible. Right, but my point is, when he came up in 2018 for that short stretch of games, you can tell if you go back and watch the videos of his first hit, first home run, whatever it was. I remember it was the Yankee Stadium. He was significantly smaller than he is now. He's more of a center field, more of a rangy type of guy. Now he is a he is a bigger and more muscular guy. He was not the same kind of muscular guy coming out of college. I don't know if I agree with that. I I, he, I, I well, mean, you can but, watch the video. But, but, I mean, but, but here's the, the other thing is everybody gets bigger coming out of college. Oh, for sure, no doubt. Everybody gets bigger coming. And, out and of I'm college. not saying he's wrong Be, for because that because he's he's 22. He's working out with you know college guys. Sure. Now he's on a professional team in a professional system, and they have different ways of working out and they know exactly sure. what to do for your body type to get you in your peak physical condition which is what they did they got him in this peak physical condition so yeah sure maybe he ha- he has more muscle but to say he's bulking up he's 
made efforts to not do that. He specific he has come out and said because he felt like his injury is early in his career. It's weird that it's not early in his career anymore because it feels yeah, like he it does. It, it feels like he hasn't been around that long. But he's right. been here. You know, this is going to be what his sixth season. That sounds correct. I mean, he 2018 was again a short stretch for him. Um, first player from the 2017 draft to make to make the majors yeah. in 2018 as a third round as, pick as too. a third round pick, I believe, out of Jacksonville. So he was a guy that you know again had all the talent and, and a third round pick for a reason, five tool player. But there's just been some some limitations to Austin Hayes, and we've seen those limitations come out, you know, even more uh, into the daylight here in the past few years because of these injuries, because of what he's gone through. And then you look at the fact now that his ceiling is probably what a three war player, three and a half war player, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, and and that's great. I mean, uh, three war players are extremely valuable to any team. But you have to wonder how many times can he consistently do that year over year, and that's been the question with Austin Hayes for what five, six, seven years now. Um, ever since he's been drafted. I mean, that's, yeah. that's been the question. How long well, can he do it consistently? And there are people knocking on the door, and somebody else is swinging a good bat right now is Kyle Stowers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had Keith Law on here. I think it was the show that you actually weren't here. It, it was, because Ryan was, uh, I was in your chair. Um, and Keith Law said he can't hit. He can't hit. That's why he's not even close to his top 100, because right. he can't hit. He sure looks like he can hit to me. Uh, the swing to me, look, he's always going to have a bit of a long swing, but the swing looks shorter. To me, this spring, he's making solid contact. He's not yeah. striking out a ton. Um, I think Kyle Stowers is making a play to be a, a, a to play a key role at least early on for this team. Now, look, he's got nothing left to prove at the minor league level. Yeah, there's nothing else he's going to do. He he's maxed out at AAA. If he can be a 250-260 hitter at the major league level with 20 home runs, that's a guy who can play in the Orioles outfield. And that's a guy who's going to light a fire under Austin Hayes' ass. Because with him and with Colton Kowser coming up, there's only so many spots to go around. And Austin Hayes, to me, made himself the odd man out by how poorly he played the second half of last year. So it's going to be interesting to see... What happens with Austin Hayes, with the Orioles uh, outfield um, moving forward? What time we got? We got 10-15? Okay. Um, now, what I do want to talk about is, because we got into this a little bit last night on Twitter. And it's Uh-oh. Adam, Adam Frazier. Okay. And I made the comment that Adam Frazier was the Orioles' lone offensive addition through free agency at the big league level. At the big league level, he's the only one that they brought in uh, in free agency. They traded for James McCann, to, mm-hmm. uh, but he's a backup player. They, they, they signed Adam Frazier to play every day. They didn't need to. Right. They didn't need to. If you look, and look, Ramona Rios only played like 26 games at second base last year, or mm-hmm. 21 games, or something like that. But if you look at Ramona Rios and Adam Frazier as second baseman, defensively, Ramona Rios was more valuable. Yeah. Last year as a second baseman. They're like, oh, we brought him in for his defense and he's going to add more offense than Odor did. Um, they didn't come right out and say that, but it, but that's the plan. He's a better hitter than Ruth Ned Odor is. Sure. But you have Arias. You, Gunnar Henderson and Jorge Mateo are going to get the bulk of the playing time on the left side of the infield, at least to start the year. You have Westberg and Norby, your minor league player of the year in Westberg, and your mm-hmm. minor league home run leader in Norby, first round and second round draft picks respectively. They're at AAA and knocking on the door, and they're both having really nice springs yeah. uh, right now. And that, then you have Adam Frazier, who's got three hits this spring, uh, which is fine. It's whatever. People, yeah. you know, um, 
warm up at different paces, and yes. I totally get that. But th- it's an undeniable fact that Adam Frazier was the lone offensive addition. Yes, for, for the Orioles in this past off season, he in was, free agency, in, in, in free agency, and they brought him in to play second base. It it it, it wasn't a need. They want a, they want veteran leadership. Ramon Reyes, this is going to be his fourth year. Was it a direct need? No. But we talk about depth all the time and how important that is, and that's what he adds. Right, right. Because but, now you have but, him, but, Ramon. But that's that's the whole point, though. You, your depth is already there because you have Ramon Reyes to play second base. You have Taron Vavra mm-hmm. to play second base. You can sure. call up Jordan Westberg or Connor Norby. And all of these guys, except Arias, are and even Arias to a certain extent, are having better springs than Adam Frazier. Tell me, would you rather have your nearly four-win, gold-glove-winning third baseman, who, by the way, made zero errors at second base in his limited time there last year, playing second base, your 24-year-old organizational minor league player of the year, who was also a first-round pick, your 23-year-old minor league home run leader, who was a second-round pick, uh, who, who were both at AAA, would you rather have them playing on your big league club, or 31-year-old Adam Frazier who hit 238 last year? I mean, I, Adam Frazier was brought in because of the 2021 he had. I think there's no doubt about that. Okay. He was excellent in 2021. And that's a, if, if he is that guy, if he becomes that guy, and clearly the Orioles think they can get him there, that's a huge addition to the team. That's a four-war player. That's a four-war player. So, he's probably not going to be here after the trade deadline. No, but I mean, that still helps you get plenty of, you know, that's still valuable to you. And I, actually, I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we'll, we'll see how Norby's year progresses and where he's at. Um, and of course, Westberg too. But... I don't necessarily agree with that. If he if if he is producing and he is the guy he was in 2021, he will be in Baltimore if they're making a playoff run. May I'm pretty sure of that. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe. But like, look, if Norby and Westberg are in the minor leagues, tearing it up mm-hmm. at AAA, especially with the versatility. Like, look, they they'll they'll tell you that Adam Frazier can play second base, that Adam Frazier can play left field, he can play right field. Jordan Westberg can play second, Versible. third, short, left, center, right, and he's going to be a he's younger, cheaper, and he's going to be a better player than Adam Frazier is. And look, he may never hit over 300 like Adam Frazier has in his career. But the power and the versatility, the athletic build, not that Adam Frazier doesn't have an athletic build, he's going to be a better player than Adam Frazier. He's going to be more valuable, in my opinion, especially at this point in their careers. He's going to be more valuable. Connor Norby's hit tool, to me, is off the charts. Yeah. So Connor Norby's going to be a better player. Now, look, he doesn't have the same versatility. He can only play second base. But okay, he's, what, 23 years old? Yeah. It, to me, it, Adam Frazier it was not a necessary add. And somebody was was trying to tell me that we didn't need... The whole reason this argument got started was they somebody was trying to tell me that we didn't need Jose Abreu. The mm-hmm. Orioles didn't need to bring in Jose Abreu. And another person was saying he had his worst year last year. His worst year last year... Still a great year. He had more hits, more doubles, a higher batting average, higher on-base percentage, and higher um, OPS than any Oriole on the team last year. Yeah. He also had the second most walks only behind Adley Rutschman and the third most amount of RBIs behind Anthony Santander 
and uh, Ryan Mountcastle. He hit over 300 with a 378 on base percentage last yeah. year. You're going to tell me that Jose Abreu doesn't make the, this this Orioles team better? He absolutely does. Of course. They don't bring in a guy like that. They bring in a guy like Adam Frazier, and that's how this whole argument started. I, I just don't think putting any stock into Adam Frazier's spring training numbers is really worth it. No, but I'm not putting stock in, in, into his spring training numbers. I'm saying overall, mm-hmm. he wasn't a necessary ad. They, they, I never understood it. They kept saying, we want to bring in a veteran infielder. And I'm like, why? You already have too many infielders. Your last veteran infielder was Ruth Nedodor, who was half a win below replacement level last year. And we, we figured out on the show, replacement level means 52 wins in a season. Mm-hmm. And he was worse than that. I have to go get my phone because our first guest, <laughs> Eric Bolin, um, is going to be... Um, on in five minutes, four minutes, and Zach doesn't have his number, and it's in my phone. So what we're going to do, we're going to do something we never do. We're going to take our first break right here because I'm an idiot. And uh, <laughs> when we come back in, we will have Eric Boland from Newsday um, to talk about the Yankees. We're going to do a Yankees preview, and every week until the until opening through opening day, um, we're going to preview an American League East team. So this week we're doing the Yankees. We're going to do the Red Sox, hopefully – after the first game of the year, that that first Saturday right there, we'll do the Red Sox. So it's going to be the Yankees and then either the Rays or the Blue Jays the next two weeks. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, for right now, I want to remind you that Birdland Sports is owned by one of your own. That's right. Josh Soroka from the Section 336 podcast is behind Birdland Sports. He knows what fellow fans want and has created an amazing collection of merchandise just for you. From the popular Birds Are Coming tees to unique player cartoon shirts and World Series prediction designs, Birdland Sports has everything you need to show off your O's pride. And with prices more affordable than the big guys, you can support support a small business run by one of your own. Don't wait. Head to BirdlandSports.com today and show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. When we come back, Eric Bowen from Newsday joins us on the Bataround. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.com. Edu for more details. CCBC Apartment Maintenance Technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit and stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always 
always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the batter. I'm coming to you on a lovely yet chilly um, uh, Saturday morning here in the Baltimore area. I want to remind you, I know we're doing a lot of offers on PressBox.com uh, for sports betting, especially with baseball season literally uh, just a couple of weeks away. But also, while gambling can be fun, you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. That's HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Joining us now on the bat around, he's going to help us preview the New York Yankees as we approach opening day here. Um, from Newsday, he covers the New York Yankees. He is Eric Boland. Eric, it's Paul. It's Zach. Thank you so much for taking some time for us today. How are you? Paul, Zach, good to join you guys. I'm doing uh, well. How are you guys this weekend? We're doing really well. We're uh, getting excited as we get uh, closer and closer to baseball season, even though it's not quite baseball weather yet. But, Eric, we are doing a preview of the American League East uh, each week leading up to up to opening day. And our first preview is of the New York Yankees, and that's why we decided to give you a call today. And you can't talk about the Yankees right now without talking about the injuries. And right now on the shelf for them is Carlos Rodon, Tommy Conley, uh, Lou Trevino, Harrison Bader, Nestor Cortez uh, has a little bit of a hamstring strain, and Frankie Montas might need shoulder surgery, which could keep him out for the majority of the season. Let's start out with with Carlos Rodon. He's had a history of um, of injuries. Tommy John surgery, shoulder surgery. He had a similar uh, elbow injury last year, but didn't miss any time. 27-13, 267 ERA the last two seasons, uh, 422 strikeouts and 310 and two-thirds innings pitched. How big of a blow is this for the Yankees, and how quickly should they expect him to be back? I mean, it's it's a blow. I You know, he, he was there other than Aaron judge was their, uh, their highest profile free agent signing uh, last year. And they had visions of him slotting into the number two slot in their rotation behind Garrett Cole. That way you have a power righty at the top of the rotation, a power lefty uh, coming right after him. Indications, at least in the early stages of this is that he should be back at some point in April. General manager, Brian Cashman told us that the other day when he, uh, brought a notebook out to the dugout so he could go down all of the uh, the injuries. It really had been kind of camp quiet until that point uh, when it comes to injuries. But, uh, look, I've been doing this a long time. This is my 15th year covering the Yankees. And uh, I, I, if there's one thing I've learned when it comes to this stuff, 
Uh, you never downplay injuries. Teams do it all the time. But until a guy is actually back out there, and I remember Joe Girardi, who was the manager here for 10 years, and I covered him for nine of those seasons, I remember him saying some form of this, which was until a player is actually back out on the field, uh, it's always a concern, and, and you never fully believe that they're healthy until they're, they're back out there. So, you know, again, uh, the, the UCL ligament, uh, there were no issues with that, according to the, uh, the imaging. It does seem like it's a mild strain, but any time with a, a pitcher – talking about a shoulder or an elbow or a forearm, and in this case it's a, a, a forearm strain, uh, it, it's a concern until he's actually on the mound. Oh, it, it certainly is, and something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, hopefully, uh, for the Yankees' sake and for their fans' sake, it is something where he'll be back by mid-April and ready to go for them for the long haul. Uh, somebody who might not be ready to go for any kind of haul is Frankie Montas. He was traded for last year, did not uh, pitch well for the Yankees, and this year he has a shoulder injury, and rumors are he might need surgery. Do you have any updates on Montas? Yeah, I'm not sure where you got your information, because he already had the surgery. That was oh. February 21st, so... Uh, they had announced that the first day of spring training that he was going to be having surgery, so no rumors really there. Uh, look, the, he said when he talked to us the other day when he reported the camp, uh, he said that he expects to pitch at some point this year. I can tell you that organizationally, uh, the Yankees are not counting on that. They're proceeding as if they're not going to have uh, Frankie Montas at any point this season, and if he does make a uh, a recovery that would allow him to return. And the most optimistic of projections would be maybe by late August, he, he could be back in there. Uh, then they would see that as a, a bonus. But really, he arrived last season with a bum shoulder. I, I know that there were other teams that were interested in him uh, when he was with the A's at the trade deadline last year. Uh, and they were scared away. They didn't think that his shoulder was completely healthy. Uh, he passed all of the, the Yankees' medical specs. They thought that he was healthy, but uh, he got here, and the shoulder was never quite right, as you alluded to. He did not pitch well. Uh, had well over a 6 ERA in his eight starts before he landed back on the IL with that shoulder issue. And really, by January, the Yankees thought that surgery was going to be a high probability. So uh, they proceeded much of this uh, offseason uh, assuming that Montas was not going to pitch in 2023 for them. I'm going to have to bone up on my research skills. I, re I saw three different articles that said that they were leaning towards surgery. I didn't realize he had already had it, so my apologies um, on that On that note. Uh, Nestor Cortez um, was arguably their best starting pitcher last year. He was an all-star, 12-4, team best 244 ERA last year. Has a little bit of a right hamstring strain. Is is that thing, something that they think is going to be problematic, or do they expect him to be ready to go by the time the season starts? They do expect him to be ready by the start of the regular season, but hamstrings can always be uh, one of those tricky soft tissue injuries that can be slow to heal. He has yet to take the mound in a, in a spring training game. He has thrown several live BP sessions, simulated games, however you want to uh, uh, characterize them. He has one more of those, and then they're going to get him in a game. Uh, so really, from a calendar standpoint, he won't have more than two or three starts down here if that schedule uh, that they're able to hold to it. Their plans, and they said this a couple of weeks ago, was regardless, uh, even though he would have probably slotted into the fourth spot in the rotation, uh, they're going to slot him into the number five position mm -hmm. because you don't usually need your fifth starter until, depending on the off days that you have uh, at the start of a given season, you generally don't need your fifth starter until you know anywhere maybe from the end of the first week or into the second week of the regular season. So that would give him more time uh, to get ready. So he's going to start the year uh, I would anticipate uh, in the rotation in that fifth spot. Uh, again, their their anticipation is is that hamstring will allow him to get a couple of spring starts under his belt before 
But again, going back to the, the Rodon thing, uh, until that actually happens, uh, you know, you always have to put it in the column of, of at least a mild concern. Oh, absolutely. And then when you look at that rotation, the way it was lining up, it was going to be Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, in some order then Luis Severino, Domingo uh, Herman, and Nestor Cortez. If Cortez and Carlos Rodon both have to, and it's a likely, it's going to happen, and Rodon's starting the year on the IL, but if Cortez has to miss any time, it used to be that this team had some depth, but very quickly that it's they're kind of losing that. Who slots into the rotation to take some of the starts from those guys if they can't start the season? Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that they're uh, they're working on, and and I can tell you that before these injuries took place, organizational depth in terms of starting pitching, they've got plenty of uh, organizational depth uh, with relievers, but uh, starting pitching that was a concern prior to the to these injuries, so. You know, Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt uh, entered camp in a battle, if you will, for that fifth starter spot. Uh, now both of those guys you can you can safely assume will probably be in the rotation. And then from there, uh, it, it could be anyone from uh, Davey Garcia, who is a uh, one-time highly touted prospect in this organization who's kind of fallen uh, by the wayside the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. I won't dig into the weeds on that. Uh, but some uh, opposing team talent evaluators that have seen him uh, feel that the Yankees have tried to uh, alter his approach, and that's one of the reasons why he has not been as good. His last two seasons of the minors were really bad for him, but he'll get a look at that. He has thrown the ball uh, well. Opposing team scouts I've talked to think Garcia looks as good as he has in, in maybe uh, three years, so that's a possibility. There's also a guy in camp named Matt Crook, a, a left-hander who started mostly a triple-A uh, last year, I could see him maybe, I'd say he's a wild card, uh, maybe a dark horse, but uh, possibly could get uh, could get a, a, some starts. But I wouldn't be surprised, and you guys know this uh, covering the sport a while, there's always guys towards the end of any given spring training camp that get cut, you know, yeah. because teams do have to start making cuts. Uh, already it's happened and even more cuts will be coming. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees get a, a veteran arm off the scrap heap from someone who gets discarded from another camp and bring him in here. You're not going to see any major trades, more than likely. You don't see that this time of year, uh, generally speaking, with blockbuster deals. But I could see the Yankees executing maybe a, a minor trade for someone in the starting pitching department or, like I said, uh, someone that uh, gets cut loose from another camp as we get towards the end of spring training. They're certainly going to need to do something because you're only one injury away from having, like you said, no no depth for this starting rotation. Now, you mentioned the bullpen and how all the depth is in the bullpen. Uh, they are going to start the year without Tommy Conley and uh, Lou, Tre- Lou Trevino. Um, Conley, when he's healthy, he is very, very good. Unfortunately, only one full season since 2018. He's got right biceps tendonitis. Uh, then you look at Trevino. Three of his first four seasons in Oakland were very good. He struggled there last year, but then, surprise, surprise, he comes over to the Yankees and in 25 games has a near one-and-a-half ERA. He's got a right elbow ligament sprain. Do they expect these two to miss significant time or just be ready to come off the IL when they're ready to come off the IL? The expectation for Canely is uh, sometime maybe in mid-April. The last time that he dealt with this uh, was, uh, uh, he said twice in his career, he's dealt with it in 2014 and 2018, uh, missed about a month or so uh, each time. So you can probably assume somewhere in, again, mid to maybe late April for him. With uh, Trevino, that's going to be a little bit longer. Their optimistic projection for him is uh, sometime in May. Uh, we don't know if that's the beginning of the month or the end of the month, but 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the, even something like that based on the way the injury was described, if, if that's a, uh, an early June type of a, of a situation. But, um, yeah, they do have arms probably to cover them. Uh, they still have Clay Holmes as the, the presumed closer. Michael King is back healthy after missing uh, the last two months of last year with a fractured elbow. He's looked really good in camp so far. Ron Marinaccio, who's kept off the playoff roster uh, a season ago uh, with a shin injury. Uh, he, he's looked good so far in camp, and he looks healthy. Uh, they really like a kid named Greg Weissert, from a local kid from Long Island, uh, whose who slider's just been, uh, been terrific. Uh, they really are fine. Even with those two guys down, uh, they, they should be good in the bullpen department. Jimmy Cordero, who uh, is a few years removed from a really, really good season with the White Sox, then had Tommy John surgery. He's healthy. He's impressed a lot of people, both inside the organization and outside uh, in terms of rival scouts. Uh, the injuries to the gentleman that you just mentioned probably opens the door for Cordero uh, to be on the roster when they, uh, they leave camp. So, uh, you know, I can tell you on the inside, uh, mild concern with the bullpen, but they do feel that they, they have adequate coverage there. But definitely, as we talked about in, in, with the previous question, uh, there is some real concern when it comes to the starting pitching depth. Sure. Now, look, if they can find a way, because the, the bullpen depth, the bullpen has always been a strength for the Yankees, at least the last several years. If they can find a way to tread water with their pitching staff as a whole, with the offense that they have, especially bringing Judge back, they may be able to win more games than they lose the first month and then get all those guys back and really play some strong baseball the last five months of the year. Now, you look at that offense, like we just said, Aaron Judge is back along with DJ LeMayhew, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, and Glaber Torres, who's coming off a really solid four-win season for the Yankees last year. Harrison Bader does have the obliques, potentially an oblique strain. In my experience, even when they downplay these things, they tend to last a month if it's something where he needs to go on the IL. So let's start with Bader. Is that something that that uh, they're worried about, or is it more so they called it at early enough that it's not going to play a huge role? Well, no, I mean, it plays a role. He's going to start the year on the IL, so okay. uh, he's not going to be in center field to, to start the season. They, they haven't told us the grade level of the strain yet, but uh, and like you mentioned, anytime you hear oblique, it's generally uh, a four- to six-week uh, uh, situation even the uh, the lower grade ones uh, take that long so I think you can safely assume that he'll be at least a month so maybe looking at a mid-April uh, return so uh, you know they're they're trying out some some different guys in in center field I wouldn't be surprised once the uh, regular season starts if you see Aaron Judge uh, back in there with um, you know on occasion he actually played more games in center last year than he did in right field uh, and a lot of people forget he was actually a center fielder in college played three years at fresno state mm-hmm. uh, primarily in center field so when people act like they oh look at the big fella running around center and he did that for three years at college um so he played more than adequately actually was very good out there at times i think he'll see uh, some time there uh, aaron hicks uh who came up as a center fielder has been a center fielder most of his career and played uh more in left field last year but i think uh, he'll get some uh, reps out there and, and they've got some uh, some uh, guys on the non-roster uh, non-roster invitees in camp that uh, have kind of caught their eye as well, including a guy named Rafael Ortega, uh, lefty swinger who's uh, raised some eyebrows here. So, uh, but to answer your question, look, I mean Harrison Bader is a is, is a, a premier defensive center fielder. That's why they traded for him at the deadline last year, and why they were willing uh, to wait really about six weeks for his plantar fasciitis to heal. He didn't come back until mid-September. 
but when he did get in there, his last two weeks of the regular season uh, were terrific. Uh, and then he hit, I believe it was five home runs during the Yankees' playoff run to the uh, the ALCS where they got swept by the, the Astros. He was their best offensive performer uh, by far. So uh, don't don't let anybody fool you. Uh, him being out, uh, that, that's damaging to them both offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, that's, that's definitely a concern because, again, with obliques, I, I've seen this many times covering this team and, uh, sometimes it's on the, the low end of four weeks, but then sometimes these things drag on for, uh, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, even more. Yeah, and you're you're not joking about how good he was in the playoffs. I mean, a 12.62 OPS through two playoff series with those five home runs. He was a big-time contributor for them in the postseason, so not having him the first month-plus is going to really hurt them offensively now. Uh, just a few more minutes here with Eric Boland from the New- from Newsday. He's a beat writer for the New York Yankees. Uh, like we said, Judge, LeMayhew, Stanton, Rizzo, all these guys are on the wrong side of 30. Now, these are their big boppers. These are the big bats in the order. Do they provide enough firepower for this Yankees offense to really take off this year, or are they going to need to find uh, contributions elsewhere? Is Peraza going to play a big role? When can we expect to see Volpe? Um, how good is this offense, and how good can it be? Oh, I think it's going to be very good. I mean, I think there's so much bad pitching in baseball that all of the guys that you mentioned and then some of the, the young kids that are they're going to get that look too. Uh, but I, I, this is going to be, I would be shocked if it's not one of the highest scoring uh, teams in baseball, as they have been for much of the last decade plus. I don't think that's going to change. They've been wildly inconsistent at times, as we've seen, particularly when it comes to the postseason, and not to project ahead to, to October, but if you wanted to be critical of the Yankees offseason, uh, and I have been in some respects, there's still a righty-heavy lineup uh, that is overly dependent at times on the home run, and that plays during the course of a 162-game season because of a variety of factors, first and foremost being something I mentioned earlier, which is just how generally bad uh, pitching is in the sport. Uh, but when you get to October and all of a sudden you're up against the Astros pitching staff or even Cleveland's pitching staff, uh, as they saw in a division series, uh, five-gamer that they barely held on and won uh, last October, uh, when you face those teams where suddenly a couple of starters are thrown into the bullpen and you know, and power right-handers coming out of the pen one after another, uh, you know, the Yankees' uh, downfall, and one of the biggest reasons they haven't won a World Series since 2009, is those type of pitching staffs have, have, have quieted their bats in October, no matter how many home runs or how good their offense has been during a given regular season, uh, it hasn't translated into October. So, you know, look, I think this offense is going to be fine. I think even with the injuries, this team is going to win. Between 90 and 100 games, I won't say fairly easily, because it's Major League Baseball and, and nothing's easy, but uh, I don't think they're going to have much of an issue in that regard. Uh, the AL East is an absolute beast, and, and what the Orioles uh, did last season, jumping over 500, I think was one of the underrated stories that really didn't get as much attention as it should have a year ago because I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. The Orioles, uh, as a franchise, were just really in the wilderness for four or five straight years and didn't even look competitive, and then for them to uh, finish over 500 last year, I, I, again, I thought was one of the great accomplishments of the game. Uh, a season ago that didn't get talked enough. Uh, uh, enough, I, I, you, But you could have four teams, uh, you know, that are 85 wins plus uh, in the AL East this year. I, I don't think Boston's going to be very good, but it's still Boston, so they've got the resources yeah. to it to approve that roster at any point. Um, but, you know, I, again, I still think 
All of those things said, Yankees won not between 90 and 100 games in large part because of the pitching depth, more so in the bullpen than the rotation. But um, it, it's still a pretty good rotation that shouldn't have guys out too long. Uh, and then the offense, uh, I don't see any reason why, again, it won't be one of the best in baseball. Yeah, look, the, the Yankees are going to be good. They're always going to be good. They're, they're a team whose championship window never really closes. But you alluded to it uh, just a second ago, Eric, that they haven't won a World Series since 2009. And I don't have to tell you about the expectations from the fan base. Before we let you go, how many more times uh, do we need to see the Yankees uh, standing out there on the field hanging their heads while, while another team celebrates in October uh, before Aaron Boone's seat starts to heat up a little bit? I mean, they, they recently, you know, extended him after the uh, the wild card game loss uh, two years ago mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to Boston. Uh, you know, look, he's as of now, and these things can change, but uh, he has the full support of the managing general partner, owner uh, Hal Steinbrenner, and Brian Cashman, who's now and is going into his twenty fifth year as uh, as general manager of the team. Uh, he's got those guys squarely. Uh, behind him and look I mean not to, to go too deep in the, the weeds on this but you know a lot of the things that Aaron Boone gets blamed for and that people think are his responsibility really aren't uh, one of the words that you hear one of the buzzwords in the game is, is how a lot of decisions are collaborative between the, the front office and, and what goes on in the dugout and really what that is is the the analytics departments of of most teams that have uh, a tremendous amount of influence both in terms of the lineups and who's who's in and who's out and moves that get made etc uh, roster moves, who gets called up, who gets sent down, on and on. And uh, trust me, the Yankees analytics department uh, is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful in baseball when it comes to decision-making. Don't believe when you hear that, uh, you know, oh, the, the, the lineup is 100% Aaron Boone's. Nothing is 100% Aaron Boone's. Nothing is anybody's 100% in this organization. Uh, the analytics department has a tremendous amount of power. I'm not a criticism, although I have written critically about the Yankees analytics department at times, but that's a, another story for another day. But, uh, you know, Boone is, uh, is pretty secure in, in that job, and if they have the type of regular season that's expected of them, uh, I, I don't think even if they have another flame out in the playoffs that that's going to uh, change. Now, he is going into his sixth year, and none of these jobs are, uh, are uh, lifetime appointments, so um, He's not manager for life by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like Terry Francona in Cleveland, who obviously, as long as his health uh, holds up, uh, he'll probably manage there as long as he wants. Uh, But Aaron Boone is uh, really not anywhere close to the hot seat as we speak. Uh, sure, and, and in just about every other market, there's no reason that he would be for how successful that team has been making the playoffs several years in a row now. Eric, before we let you go, is there anything that we can plug for you? Anything that you can plug? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely not. All right. Eric, thank you so much for, uh, for taking, uh, taking some time for us, giving us the inside scoop on the Yankees spring training and their uh, season preview. Uh, best of luck to you uh, for, the, for this season, and we'll hopefully talk to you down the line, all right? My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Take care. That was Eric Boland, the Yankees beat writer for Newsday, uh, joining us to preview the New York Yankees here uh, with our AL East preview as the regular season is coming upon us here in less than three weeks. Hard to believe. We always talk about how quickly the offseason goes, and then sure enough, it goes by even quicker than we anticipated. Always. So spe- special thanks to Eric for joining us on the show. A little bit of an eat crow moment there. 
for me because I'm telling you, I looked up these injuries for the Yankees yesterday. And so many. There, there was there was an article that said it was written 20 hours ago, and it said that he might that that um Frankie Montas might be having shoulder surgery. Hmm. I saw nothing that said that he had had the surgery. In my mind, everything I saw it was speculative. Maybe it was another one. Maybe they were uh, doing. It may have been. 20 hours ago, it was an article that had been updated. Updated, sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe it had been updated, and I was reading the part that said that, yeah. that it was earlier written earlier on. So my sincerest apologies. I'm usually very well-researched. A little bit embarrassing for me that I didn't realize that he had already had the surgery more than more than two weeks ago. Yeah. So um, it could maybe it's something else again. Maybe that's the, that's the case. But also, article could have been updated. That gets confusing. I've seen that before too, where you think it's recent news, but it's actually yeah. Not, I, so I saw nothing concrete when I was doing mm-hmm. this research yesterday that said he had had the surgery. Now, of course, Eric Boland, he covers the team he has for 15 years. He knows better than I do about these sort of things. So I I take his word on that. The Harrison Bader thing. Um, there's an article that was written just four hours ago that says that he is going to start the year on the IL. But when I wrote my notes yesterday. He hadn't. It hadn't been decided yet. They didn't know the severity of the injury. Yeah. But those oblique things, you can almost anytime you see that pop up, you can make the assumption that they're going to miss some time. Yeah, that, that's that's a fair and safe assumption every single time. Any kind of oblique strain, they end up on the IL. Look, I, I like Harrison Bader, and Harrison Bader is a valuable player when he's healthy. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's a huge loss for the Yankees. I really don't. I mean, there's other other losses that are far more significant than Harrison Bader. Um, I mean, even Frankie Montas is a when he's right and when he's healthy, we've seen what he can do with Oakland. Um, and obviously, he didn't do that with the Yankees last year. In the eight starts that you mentioned, he was pretty bad. ERA over six. So, he is a great pitcher when he's on. That's a huge loss. But And that's what the Yankees have struggled with. They've, they've mm-hmm. struggled with producing those back end of the rotation guys. Of course, you've got the Garrett Cole. They've had guys that are you know are great one, two, threes, but then the four and five, they lack a little bit in. And Eric makes it sound like they've got guys who, you know, are going to be good pieces of depth for them, but Frankie Montas is a great pitcher when he's on. So, you know, all other AL East fans should be should be somewhat pleased that Frankie Montas is not in the rotation because he would be a, a good piece for them. Well, and look, we're going to get into that. We do have our own Yankees preview coming up here in just a little bit. Um, but before we do that, do you have a sounding off segment? So I, I have sort of a sounding off segment today. Nothing I felt really strongly about this week. There wasn't any big news. But I did. I, there, I was reading an article about Spencer Torkelson um, mm-hmm. this week. And I do think that Spencer Torkelson is going to have a really good breakout year. That's one of my predictions for this year. And I know we're going to do season predictions coming up. But I want to make an early one about Spencer Torkelson. Obviously, a guy that was a 1-1, someone who, you know, has turned heads with the bat. I mean, the massive power, you know, well above average raw power, well above average hit tool. The guy came out of Arizona State as a, you know, hopefully superstar first base bat, and he hasn't done that. I mean, he's, right. he's kind of struggled. His time in the majors thus far has been... Uh, checkered maybe a good word for it he's, he's had some good moments he's had some bad moments but I believe his batting average last year was was quite bad um under 200 he, he really struggled last he really year struggled. they sent him down to triple a um, right correct. And, then, and then he he started playing really well and then came correct. up and was a better hitter yes but continue so no I, I was just looking at his baseball savant page though and there's a lot to like and I, I love baseball savant because you can see some things that um, you know, kind of show elements of success where you may not have noticed them actually, you know, on the field, but the metrics show that the success is imminent for him. I mean, 78 percentile of average exit velocity, 70th percentile of max exit velocity, the sprint speeds in the 62nd percentile. The guy's a better athlete than you think he is. He's walking more than you think he is. 69th percentile.
percentile there. Chase rate in the 75th percentile, so he's not chasing that much, and that's huge for a guy like that. Because um, he, he, he did seem like in the beginning of the year he was chasing a little more, and then he obviously once he got sent down, hopefully he was able to work on some of those things. Spencer Torkelson is a guy I think is going to have a really big year for the Detroit Tigers, and it means a lot to them because they are a team that we're not going to talk about a ton on the show probably because they're probably a 75-win team at most. I think that's their ceiling. But Spencer Torkelson, a 1-1 who hits the ball hard, massive raw power. I'm just excited to see what he does. And there was an article written about that as well, so I wanted to to shout that out. The Tigers have some talent. They do. And they were were a solid team two years ago. They were expected to be that dark horse team Mm -hmm. last year, and then they came out of the gates just awful yeah Uh, and they never really bounced back from that look Spencer Torkelson I really wanted the Orioles to have the first pick in the draft in 2020 because Mm -hmm. they would have taken Spencer Spencer Torkelson there was no way he was dropping the two they ended up going with Heston Kerstad at two yeah but his bat is special and Spencer Torkelson is their first baseman right now yeah I I would think almost 100 percent yeah he's going to play first base for them um no but I'm saying if the Orioles oh oh, oh, for the Orioles yeah yeah, he'd be playing first base yeah um and Mount they'd be split in time between DH and first base, sure. the, two, the two of them. I don't know how good defensively he is. I'm sure he's... Outs above average is in the 36th percentile, uh, so not great. And his arm strength in the 4th percentile, so Well, so then not Ryan Mountcastle is a better defender. Than he is a better defender. At, at this yeah. point in his career. So but he may not be playing first base for them, but he would have a role on this team yeah. somewhere. Um, that was a guy I really wanted the Orioles to draft. Yeah. And because at the time, Ryan Mountcastle didn't have a position. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're thinking mm-hmm. that he's going to end up being a DH. Spencer Torkelson comes in and plays first base. He's still, he's still a bat that I would yeah. love to have. I agree with you. I think he's going to have a big year. I do too. Uh, and I think that, you know, for him, so many people struggle when they get to the big league level yep. uh, because it's the big leagues. It's, you've never it's faced tough. talent like this. That's why it's the big leagues. Um, so I expect, I, I agree with you. I expect Spencer Torkelson to have a nice bounce back. Year. Real quick on him. So I, I watched him a lot in college, uh, his draft year. Just watched a lot of Arizona State because of how good Spencer Torkelson was and their team was at that point. They had a lot of guys drafted that year. And Torkelson was a guy who, um, and obviously didn't didn't play that much because of the whole COVID situation, but Torkelson is one of those guys who went oppo a lot, used the whole field, and that's something he didn't really do. 39% pool percentage uh, in, in his first major league year, which is pretty high. Um, it's not Joey Gallo level or anything, nothing like that. But you'd like to see him bring that down and, and get that oppo percentage over 30%. So we can start to spray the ball. I think that's going to be a big piece of this for him too. But the fact that he's not chasing, especially for a fair first baseman with all this power, um, is a really good sign of things to come. Yeah, he, so, he's... he's There's a reason he was the first baseman. He's going to be good. He, he's he's going to be good. He's got an elite bat, and... and I don't put much stock into a guy struggling in his first taste of big no. league action. It it, it happens. It's going to be swept under the rug, though, with him because he is a Detroit Tiger. And unfortunately, that's the way it is. Those guys don't get the same kind of media coverage. But he'll be he's going to have a good year. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you on that front. All right, we're going to catch our second break. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by... The latest edition of PressBox, which is available now on the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we met lacrosse, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smolka breaks down another year of wide receiver issues for the Ravens. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles Ravens and Terps at pressboxonline.com Zach did you have a trivia question for, for me I do 
All right, let's do that now. Okay. Uh, let's do it in the middle of the show so we don't lose listeners at the end. This is going to be the final <laughs> trivia uh, that we do for this season. Apparently, people don't like it. <laughs> I like it. I think it's fun. I always enjoy hearing people do trivia when I listen to the radio. Uh, but apparently, other people don't want to hear that. They want to hear our opinions on baseball if they want to hear anything from us at all. So this is going to be the last trivia segment, but I didn't want to... Ha- Zach had a question for me. I didn't want to make him not do it. So what? go ahead. What's the trivia question? You okay, got? so I want you... To, I'm going to do a matching question, just like you did. Okay. Um, or I'm going to give you five numbers, and these five numbers are average exit velocity percentiles from straight from Baseball Savant. Okay. That's what they're going to be for five Orioles from last year. So I'm going to read you those Orioles. Is there a minimum at bat? Uh, a minimum at bat? I mean, these all, these guys all, for except for for one of them, played for the majority of the season. Okay. So, okay. Um, we I'm going to read you off are the numbers. Are they all current Orioles? Yes. This is all from last year. Yes. Well, there, there's some guys that aren't. No, it doesn't to... include a door or anything like okay. that. No. So our numbers are 31, 72, 73, 47, and 57. And what are these again? And your Oriole. These are average exit velocity percentiles. So basically, the average exit velocity quantified. You know what? Sure. You know what I mean by that, right? So a hundred is going to be better than zero, obviously. Okay. That's on the scale. So uh, your Orioles are Cedric Mullins. Anthony Santander, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and Ramona Rios. Can you match them? All right, so I'll tell you right now that Tony is uh, 73. Tony is 72. 72. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you, you just gave me an answer. They were close. Okay, well, was I not supposed to? No, because oh, I have to, I'm sorry I, about I have, that. I have to match him. <laughs> okay. That's well, the whole point of the match Well, game. then go ahead and match so, them. So, so Tony's 72. I'm, I'm not going to give you uh, any more, so just go ahead and match them, and we'll see what we come out with. All right, Tony is 72. Ramona Rios is 31. Do you want me to confirm or deny? You have to, if it's wrong, it's d- deny. He is not. Okay. I can't imagine that Adley is 31, but is Adley 31? Adley is 31. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I yes. mean, I guess, that, like, you well, never it, really saw him sting a ball. Yeah, so his, his, his max velocity percentile was 71, uh, but his average was 31. Okay. Which you kind of, I guess, expect for a rookie. Uh, sure. All right. So 73 is Gunner. Yes. All right. So now you've come down to two. All right. Ramon's 47 and Mullins is 57. It is the opposite. Really? Yes. So Mullins is 47. Ramon is 57, which surprised me with Ramon, honestly. That I, surprises me with Ramon, too, because yeah. he's known to hit a lot of ground balls. Mm-hmm. He's known to hit yeah. a lot of ground balls. Now... The I think one of the highest exit velocities on the season last year was from Roof Neto Door, <laughs> where he hit a ball that Let's hit directly he, on home plate. It went like 108 miles an hour off the bat. He hit it directly off home plate, and the ricochet went 108 miles an hour. And they counted that as exit velocity for him, even though he didn't actually hit yeah. the ball that hard. Man, if you look at his metrics, there's only one that is in the red, um, and that is max exit velocity, which is 59 uh, for 59th percentile for roof and door. Yeah. So not, not not a great year for him. His outs above average sitting at nine. Um, so definitely a defensive upgrade with Adam Frazier if we go back to that, <laughs> to that discussion. Actually, Adam Frazier had negative outs above average. Did he? Oh, wait, wait, wow. You said the, the Odor's so was... This is the percentile, so just the oh, ninth oh, percentile. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. So I, I would assume Frazier... Let's see where Frazier was at. His, to, he was at like negative one outs above average. I mean, so they have him in the percentile of 90th on baseball savant um really? i know he, he the, the thing is there are a lot of guys in the negative two so mm-hmm. that that definitely plays a part in it there are only a few guys who actually are in the positive because were, it is they were only uh, qualified 
guys, who, qualified guys. I, I was looking at this the other night. It was only seven or eight qualified guys who had positive. Right, there's just not that many last yeah. year. Now, yeah. when you get into when you get into <coughs> a minimum of like 100 innings, there's like 87 guys mm-hmm. who were mm-hmm. outs above average. But qualified guys who must have played like I guess 900 innings or more at second base, yeah. um, there were only seven guys. Um, who were positive. So, all right, let's um, let's catch our break. When we come back in, Stan will join us for a later segment. We're only going to do about 15 minutes with Stan. We're going to talk about uh, what, he, what he's seeing down in spring training. Uh, we will talk about that next on The Battle Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota Rav. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. It's a great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online, CCBC 
mcmd.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Alright, welcome back to the Bat Around Today's show brought to you by Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with former Ravens offensive coordinator Marty Morningwig, Maryland football legend Vernon Davis, plus NBC Sports Peter King and Mike Florio. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at pressboxonline.com. Joining us here in a matter of moments is Stan the Fan for his weekly segment, albeit 40 minutes later than we usually have him on. Um, Stan is actually on assignment, we'll put it that way. He's down at spring training. Um, I, he'll be back sometime next week, but he's down there taking in all the action that he can while he is down in beautiful, warm, and sunny uh, Florida while we are in overcast and cold Baltimore. We have Stan? All right, we've got Stan on the line saying good morning. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. You you have a, a certain upbeatness to your uh, to your tone there, Stan. It must be nice being down in Florida right now. Uh, very nice. Very nice. Um, something. Hey, is... a dread coming. Dread coming back home. Uh, well, 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 Stan, you you probably, you probably just kidding. You're probably ready to move just down kidding. there, right? Uh, move down here? Yeah. Nah, not really. No. Not really. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like my I like my Baltimore. I love. I'd love to be down here for like a month a year. I think that oh. would be about right for me. I hope one day you can make that happen, Stan. Now, uh, the Orioles—they've yeah. had an up and down spring, which is what you kind of expect from spring training from all the teams. I think a 500 record is about um, about appropriate for most teams in spring training. Ryan Mountcastle, though, tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, this is a make-or-break season, in my opinion, for Ryan Mountcastle. And to to this point, he's 6-for-18, all six hits, extra base hits, four doubles, a triple, and a home run this spring. Uh, have you gotten a chance to see him since you've been down there? Does he does his pitch selection look better? Pitch recognition look better? Um, have you seen the ball kind of come bouncing off the bat for him a lot better this to this point? Well, I, I haven't really seen it up close. Um, you know, when I get down here, uh, I do a lot of different things during games and visit with certain people and uh, was out in the left field stands uh, out near the old Boog's barbecue stand out here. And um, I had my back actually turned to the field and I heard, I heard a ball hit and everybody was buzzing around us. So I turned around. And the ball went sailing uh, way past us, way over, and it hit the roof of Boog's Barbecue down here. Mm-hmm. It was a prodig- it was a prodigious home run. Um, that's really all I could tell you what I've seen of him so far. Uh, clearly, I saw him on TV on Monday. He looked a little bit better uh, before I got down here. But 
But starting tomorrow is when I really I'm going to see three games in three days. That's when I'll really really have my eyes focused on uh, on the games. Absolutely, and more specific things. But it, there's no question he is he is both being, being subtly pushed a little bit with all these guys experimenting to be a, a left hand, not so much platoon partner, but a left handed complement mm-hmm. of his. So it's it's been interesting to see. He definitely looks like he's in fantastic shape, uh, and you're waiting for that the key to unlock that turns him from being a good player, you know, a little above average, to somebody that really can be a big time run producer. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they need. They need him to be hitting in the middle of their order and producing runs. Now, Stan, before we move on, when are you going to learn to stop turning your back to the field when you are at Boog's Barbecue down there? Um, it's very dangerous. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's very dangerous. Yeah, it, it I sounds mean, like. Seriously, you're standing. You're standing in line. We saw a home run last night. Uh, we were. My cousin Ron actually bought tickets for down there. I apologize, I've got the GPS for now. Twin Lakes Park, the Orioles minor league park now, and I'm never totally familiar with how to get there. Sure. Um, we were we were in the last row of the seats out there in the left field, and again, right in front of Boog's Barbecue, and a home run landed, you know, it hit down on the ground, nearly hit somebody, bounced up and got stuck in the roof of Boog's Barbecue last night. So... I, I told the Orioles, you know, I haven't been down here since 2020, that they really needed to address that uh, because there was a possibility of somebody getting really hit and hurt, and hopefully it won't be me. Yeah, you've had a couple of close calls down there already, Stan, so I'm, I'm hoping that you'll be facing the field from here on out when you're when you're down there. Uh, Austin Hayes had has had a nice week. Uh, he had a couple of three-run homers for the Orioles. Uh, look, he always seems to start hot. Something happens in the season that causes him to either miss time or have a, a, a down downward trend in production. Um, but it, it, he seems to be reminding everybody that he's still a good player and he's still here. Uh, is... His decent start and uh, more of an answer, you think, to Kyle Stowers, who's been swinging a pretty good bat right now, and him saying, this is my job to lose. Yeah, I think uh, Austin has a certain, um, you know, uh, possessiveness to that left field spot uh, and being a prime member of the Orioles' outfield. Look, for me, I see when he's healthy, he's got a pretty good stick. You know, I don't think he's a great player, uh, but I think he can be a real good player, solid 280 hitter, 25 home runs, 85, 90 runs batted in, plays an excellent defense in left and occasionally in center. But but it's almost like, reminds me a little bit of watching the University of Maryland basketball team mm. with Julian Reese. It, you know, when Reese is in the game and he's playing and he's productive, he's great. I mean, he's really good, but he has he, his his penchant for fouls yeah. and being in foul trouble kind of dictates the whole team. And I think there's a little bit of similarity with Hayes with injuries. And I don't know how he avoids them, but you know, when he got off to that great start last year, I don't put a I don't put like an asterisk next to it in my scorecard. But hey, remember this date that he got hit in the hand. 
But it seemed like over about a six-week period, he had two or three of those where he mm-hmm. got hit in the hands. And, uh, I mean, I remember him kind of jumping up in pain more than once. And that's something that, you know, I don't know whether a player can avoid that or it's just the way he, his hands are moving through the strikes to have more than his share of injuries. And it's certainly been a bit of a setback for him. There's no question about it. Yeah, and you also, in addition to getting hit in, hit in the hand two to three times in a six-week stretch, he also had his other hand spiked uh, while he was sliding in the first base. Which that is correct. Sliding yep. in the first yep. base, is ne- nothing good ever comes from that. And you actually slow yourself I don't down. like that at all. I, I agree with you. Uh, but sliding in, he, he got spiked. A spike went through his hand. I, I can't imagine being able to hit uh, and still play with having a, a gash in my hand like he had. But uh, he tried. He, he he went through it. And, if look, if he can keep himself healthy, I th- I agree with you, Stan. I think 280, 25, and 90 is a 4-5 to five win player. Uh, I don't know that I expect him to have those kind of prodigious numbers, but I, I think that he can be a really solid uh, player for the Orioles. Maybe, maybe a tick behind that, like 22. 280, 274, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, can score runs. Um, not a good base stealer. Uh, he just instinctively has never really been that good. Yeah. Uh, but but he throws well, and he plays defense. And he's very popular with his teammates. You, you know that. So that, that stands for something, too. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed on Austin Hayes. I, uh, I, I am, too. I have a, I have a really tricky... I'm thinking he's like a guy that I could get on my team, but I don't know that I want to jeopardize his his 2023 season by my getting him. You uh, know? Stan, do us all a favor in Baltimore and let, just just leave him out there. Just just stay away from just, stay just, away from the Orioles. Just, right? just stay away from him. You know, I'm I'm just giving you a hard time. But no, look, I put him in the same category as Ryan Mountcastle, where he's probably feeling the pressure from the guys coming up behind him. Where it's like, you know what? I got guys knocking on the, on the door. I got to keep this job. Let me go out there and be the player I know I can be. So, uh, definitely excited. I to see agree them. with you. And, ne- and neither one of those two. I I think those are the two key players to to make the difference in what this lineup is going to produce this year are Mountcastle and Hayes. Yeah, they, know. And, they and neither one's a kid anymore. They're they're like real men now. Yeah. And it's time for them to really, you know, get get it done. Yeah, it's it's definitely time, especially when you consider they hit in the middle they both hit four or five in the Orioles order a lot last year. And if that's where they're gonna hit, they gotta produce like like those types of hitters. So them getting off to this start has certainly been fun and hopefully it's a sign of things to come for the Orioles offense this year. The starting rotation stand if, if what we've seen from them is a sign of things to come, it's gonna be a really fun year in Baltimore. Kyle Bradish yeah. last night went out there and absolutely dominated. Four innings pitch, two hits, one walk, one earned run, eight strikeouts. He has at two of the five guys we expect to be in the rotation, his ERA of two is the highest of the five starters uh, for the Orioles right now. We know it's spring training. We know it's a small sample size, but you have to be enthused by what you've seen from Bradish and from the starting rotation as a whole. Yeah. It was a little hard for me to see specifics last night on him, mm-hmm. but you could see the swing and miss, and it was uh, it was an impressive performance. No question about it. I'll tell you what came away, and again, I was out in left field, so uh, looking at pitch selection and things, but you, you can still see the swings that batters take. Um, I was impressed with Povich. 
you know, he walked a couple batters and they got that double and suddenly he's got second and third and one out and he struck out the next two guys. I was impressed with that last night. Yeah, he, he actually is uh, right in the middle of ESPN's top 100 prospects list this year um, and has been getting a, a, a lot of run out there and a, and a lot of um, attention for how good he's looked in spring training. So that's another guy worth keeping an eye on. It could be one of the Orioles' top pitching prospects by this time next year. He already is. He already is, but he could be that guy next year for this team. Um, Jackson yeah. Holiday, they expect him to be that guy. It's hard to imagine that he already kind of looks to be filling that role. Uh, I've watched a lot of his... He hasn't had a lot of at-bats, but I've watched a good bit of them. Stan, he has never looked overmatched to me. He, he looks like he has a really good grasp of the strike zone, even at the big league level. He's not swinging at pitches that, that he doesn't think he can handle. He looks like, uh, when I say this, I don't expect him to be in the major leagues this year or even next year for that matter, but he looks the part of a 1-1, and you can tell that being in spring training, because he was there his entire life, it doesn't do anything to him. He, he expects to be there, and he's just another one of the guys. Yeah, he's not phased by it at all. It was interesting uh, last night. Last night about the fifth inning, uh, it was it was very breezy there. I won't say it was cold. But it was breezy, and then all of a sudden the rain came like a deluge. And I've been I've been watching spring training baseball in Florida for you know close to thirty years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I've never really been rained on like that before. Uh, and it and it, the combination of the wind and the shirts wet, and all of a sudden you're really cold. Uh, and then it stopped, and then all of a sudden it started again in the eighth inning and he got up with a chance to help win the win the ball game uh and he nearly did but he struck out but uh he took the count to three and two and like you say he was definitely not phased by the situ- the game situation yeah he, he's standing he's just he looks like a, just a good young player to me and when when, when i see, when i see this kid play it's hard not to get excited about what the what the future could look like with he and Gunnar Henderson on the left side of the infield. Have you seen uh, any of his defense? Does he look like he could stick at shortstop, or have you not been able to see too much of that? I haven't seen that much of him at short yet. Gotcha. You know, but I'm sure from all the you know the, the write ups I've read about him, he definitely is a guy that can you know. I guess the comp with him is a little bit like a Corey Seager mm-hmm. type of player eventually with more speed, you know, more athleticism. Is it significant that he made it through the first round of cuts, or is that just something where, like, they know they're sending him down, they just want to get a, a longer look at him? Rich asked the question. Glenn, Glenn asked it of me on Friday about the significance of it. And Rich asked manager Brandon Hyde, and he basically gave the same answer I gave Glenn on Friday. They just want him to to soak in the atmosphere a little bit, you know, and, and rub elbows with these guys. And, you know, so it's, so it's secondhand nature to him next year when he's, you know, full go, he'll be in spring training, probably three quarters of spring training next year. He'll be with the big club. I yeah. would think. Yeah. And look, he, he could be, again, I don't, I think it's he a could lo- be really knocking at the door. He could be knocking at the door in spring training next year, you know. But I don't think he's going to make the call out of spring next year. But it's certainly, in my opinion, second half of 2024, he could be making it. It depends what's happening at the major league level 
how Mateo or Henderson are playing at that time, if an injury happens. But he's going to be real close to being ready, I think, second half of 2024. Jim Callis said that to us on the show a couple of months ago that he thinks Holiday will be making his major league debut in 2024. I don't want to put those kind of. I'm nobody to put pressure mm-hmm. on him, and he doesn't seem to feel pressure. Uh, but it, it's a lofty yeah. expectation. He's just 19 years old. He's a year removed from playing high school baseball. But um, look, mm-hmm. he's looked the part, and it, that's super exciting uh, if you're an Orioles fan. Um, has I was a, talking. I was talking to Steve Molesky of Masson yesterday, mm-hmm. and I asked. I said, Steve, where do you think? The- going to, you know, put him this year to start. And he, we both agreed it could be Aberdeen, but they may, they may choose to go that route of like, hey, let's let him get his, because he's only played 20 minor league games, I think. Sure. But let's, let's let him get his feet wet at Delmarva and rake for four or five weeks and really be on a roll when they send him, you know, give him a promotion. There's a psychological lift to get a promotion that quickly. Yeah. And you never know. Then then that promotion to Bowie could come, you know, not too far in the future. You know, he could be at Bowie like sometime in mid-July, I think. I don't think that's out of, the, out of this world being way too optimistic. I think it's quite possible he could be a double-A, strong player at double-A. And almost take that route that Hemp Gunner did, you know. Yeah. Look, we saw a number of players last year, most notably Colton Kowser and Connor Norby, uh, advance three levels in one season, and they both ended the season at AAA. Gunner Henderson could end, I mean, Gunner Henderson, Jackson Holiday could end the season at Bowie and have advanced three levels in his first full pro season. And that seems to be something the Orioles are not against. It used to be, I remember Michael Lye saying, we want our our best prospects to spend a year at each level. Now it's like mm-hmm. they spend a, a couple of months at each level and then they move up if they if he deems they're ready to move up. So they, they're definitely being pushed. And it's, a, and it's not so much all prospects. It's the guys that are like the one-one guys, like mm-hmm. like Rutschman, like Henderson. Uh, I think Holiday is going to follow a pretty accelerated uh, pace. You know, yeah. and that pace can be determined in some regards. By like what I said, what your organizational situation is. Have you perhaps moved on from Mateo? You know, you've traded him to the Dodgers and all of a sudden Henderson's over at short, but you'd really like to have him at third. You know, maybe they've traded Urias or something. You know, so you just don't know what's going to happen, but I think they can pace that to how rapidly Holiday is assimilating at the different levels he plays. And Stan, before we let you go, I know we're trying to uh, keep a time limit here with you today. Ryan McKenna, I'm I'm good for I'm good for like you know ten minutes or so. More, okay, you know, um, but go ahead. So Ryan McKenna, Stan, uh, to me, he is who he is. I, I said a, a number of times last year, whether it was on the show or just to somebody I was at a game with, that look, he he seems like a solid fourth outfielder. I thought he played way more last year than the fourth outfielder really should, um, and probably hit in spots in the order where he didn't need to be hitting. And we're talking like the middle of the order, the top of the order. He's a number nine hitter who plays good outfield defense, in my opinion. Is his defense so spectacular, Stan, that you justify keeping him on your roster, or is the bat just not good enough to, to justify him at this point? It's a, it's a really interesting question because Glenn and I, we're going over it on his show yesterday morning. And, I, and frankly, I didn't have a copy 
of who I project is going to make this roster. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you get to like twenty three or twenty four players, and you're pretty darn certain, you know, who those twenty four are going to be. You know, it's going to be thirteen pitchers, whoever the, those pitchers are. It's going to be the two catchers, the four infielders, plus Urias or or plus Fraser, whichever way you want to, and then four outfielders or three outfielders, and then you get the the fourth outfielder, the fifth outfielder, and then that DH complement to first base. So there's three positions that at the end of the roster, and clearly McKenna is probably ahead of everybody, but I'll tell you those those guys that are vying for the other, that, that second first baseman role mm-hmm. and DH, they're all tearing the cover off the ball. They right really now. are. And Brandon, and Brandon was mentioning that yesterday at camp in his presser. I asked a question that elicited that response. He said they're all really, you know, even Josh Lester, who's a name I didn't even throw in there. Right. But D- Diaz, O'Hearn, and Cordero are all competing mightily for probably the last spot on this team. But Avra is in that mix. McKenna and Stowers in that mix. So it's about a six six or seven players vying for those last three roles. Stan, did we lose you? I think we lost Stan. Yeah, we'll give Stan a call back. Yeah, if you can give Stan Perfect. a call back or maybe he'll call us back. I don't know how that works, but... um. Um, we got to get Stan back online. He's right in the middle of a, of a great thought there. And he's absolutely right. O'Hearn, Diaz, uh, Cordero, and Lester are all tearing the cover off the ball. And, and they continue at this rate. Who do you bring up? And, and is Ryan McKenna the odd man out just because you also have Taron Vavra and Adam Frazier can play the infield and the outfield. Mateo can play the outfield. With with, with these guys, You know, is, does McKenna end up being being that odd man out simply because of the versatility and the bats that you already have vying for a spot right now. Uh, we've got Stan back, and I'd like him to continue his point. Stan, you were talking about how these backup, these guys vying for the backup first base spot are tearing the cover off the ball, so please continue. Well, there's, there's four or even four guys, including Josh Lester, Lewin Diaz, uh, Frankie Cordero, and Ryan O'Hearn. And three of the four, I don't know if Diaz plays any outfield, but three of the four play outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you wonder, if you wonder if Stowers does make the team, is, bear with me one second, okay, I know where I'm going. Uh, if Stowers makes the team, do they would they prefer Vavra and one of those first basemen to make the team and send McKenna out and really let him maybe try a few things to, to up up his production at the AAA level. Maybe uh, start to hit for a little bit more power than he does or something like that. So I don't think it's etched in stone. I'd say he's probably a 75% chance to make the team. Vavra is probably a 65% chance. And um, Stowers is probably 75 or 80%. But there's that other position... And you, you you meld them all together, and you got about six guys vying for those last three spots. And it's I don't think it's in stone who's going to make that. You know who's who are those last guys to make the team? 
Stan, you alluded to it, but Ryan O'Hearn batting third today, playing left field for the Orioles. Is that a telling sign of what's to come? Does that really increase his chances if he's able to play well out there defensively? And is his defense in the outfield really going to be the thing that decides that he's going to make the roster over a guy like Frankie Cordero? Yeah, I, I think they're all, I think at least O'Hearn and Cordero are very similar players. Cordero has a speed element to his yeah, game yeah. that made him a real top prospect three, four years ago, but he's, but his production at the major league level has always waned quite a bit. Um, I think O'Hearn, though, they're taking a really strong look because he he seems like a little bit of like a Mitch Moreland type like a Mitch Moreland light as a, you know, he's not quite the hitter Mitch Moreland is, but he looks like he could play a smooth first base. I watched him throwing yesterday in in batting practice and fielding practice, and he was really throwing nicely. He's a, he's a, a nice ball player, you know. It's hard to imagine that uh, Mike Matheny couldn't find a way to get a team that bad uh, to play Ryan O'Hearn a little bit more. Yeah, and I'm looking at Josh Lester's numbers, Stan, and in his last four minor league seasons, he's averaged over 25 home runs a year, uh, and he's finally getting a chance to make a big league club. He had uh, a cup of coffee last year, but only five at-bats with no hits. Uh, he also, it says that he plays a little bit of third base. Uh, do you think that because of the, that power profile that he could have the leg up, or Lewin Diaz, who was, you know, DFA'd 37 times this past offseason. Like, do you think any of these guys have a leg, have a leg up on anybody else, or is it really just that big wide open I, competition? I think. I, look, I haven't seen Diaz enough, but the fact that they wanted him as badly as they did mm-hmm. speaks speaks of something that they like about him. You know, Mike doesn't do things by accident, Michael sure. Elias. You know, so. Um, yeah, I would have thought he had a leg up, but I think that the the um, versatility thing is very big for manager Brandon Hyde. Yeah, and I think that O'Hearn, I think O'Hearn, Vavra, and Cordero. I think two of them make this team. Yeah, it, it, those, out of those three players, and I think Vavra is going to make the team. I think Brandon Hyde is is really impressed with with how he takes at bats. He really makes the opposing pitcher work. Yeah, you know, he absolutely does. I think Vavra's going to make the team, too. And you, you talk about Diaz and how badly the Orioles obviously wanted him. He's probably the best defensive first baseman in the system, and they love how to have great defense behind their young their young pitching staff. So that's something that, that maybe that gives him the edge. If, if all things are equal, maybe that gives him the edge over everybody else. Um, Heston Kerstad is— you know, you, know what could, you know what could play into that, though, a little bit? What's is, that? is if Mountcastle's having a good season, you know, maybe the, the purpose of having those that many guys there is to have pushed Mountcastle a little bit to not come in assumptively like, hey, I, the first base is mine mm-hmm. every game. But the bottom line is if he's producing, those guys really aren't going to play above Ryan Mountcastle no, that they often. No, they so their versatility uh, may, may play part of the uh, factor. Then again, remember, Adam Frazier, one of the things they liked about him was he played 38 games in the outfield, and by all all intents and purposes, he was supposedly a very competent outfielder. Yeah, some guys are just good baseball players, yeah. Stan. You know, some guys can just can just yeah. do it all. You look at um, 
what was the guy's name who played for the Royals and the Cubs and um, Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist. Yeah. Ben Zobrist. Yep. Some yep. guys are just Ben Zobrist. You know, um, maybe that. Hopefully, yep. that can be Adam Frazier this year. Heston Kerstad. They said he's been taking some some reps over first base in practice that they aren't going to do to him in a game during spring training. Should we read anything into that? I know they've been impressed with his bat to this point. I couldn't read anything really into it right now, but you know, uh, it, it's it's really going to be an interesting. I I think it speaks volumes to how much. I know there's a sentiment that the Orioles are going to fall backwards this year mm-hmm. by a lot of the national media that they overperformed last year, and the regression to the mean will take them back to seventy seven, seventy six. I think there's a lot of things I see that are trending upward for the Orioles. Perhaps Ryan, Kyle Bradish on the verge of being not just good, but very good. Grayson Rodriguez grabbing a hold of a rotation spot. But also, at the end of the roster, there's no more Rio Ruizes on this team. Yeah. And there's no more Pedro Severinos on this team. James McCann, if, if Adley Rutschman got hurt, we'd have a very competent major league caliber catcher, okay? Yeah. And those things, to me, mean that this is the first time in the Elias era that they've added on, like you said, smart, really professional baseball players, like Adam Frazier, you know, uh, like James McCann, you know. Yeah. So but... I'm, I, th- I think, uh, again, I'm not being overly lofty, but with all the problems the Yankees seem to have year in and year out with the injuries, it's amazing that they lost in one day. They had to announce it. What, Trevino, Roden, and who was the third pitcher? There were three pitchers. Uh, I know, I know, all, uh, Canley, Trevino, Canley, Trevino, Trevino Nestor Canley, Cortez. Canley, Trevino, and, and Roden, and then Harrison Bader is yeah. out. Well, and and Stan you know, Nestor he's, Cortez, he's Nestor Cortez has a has a hamstring strain that's going to sideline him for a little bit. So they're yeah. they're hurting up there in New York. We actually just had Eric yeah. Boland from from Newsday on, and he was talking at length about their injuries. And he 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 seems to think that they have enough depth to 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 survive it, but it doesn't look good for them right now, for sure. It seems like on paper you got enough depth until the next injury. I mean, losing Rodon, Canley, and Trevino in one day. Yeah, that's that's a sizable. I'm I'm anticipating Cortez will be maybe not ready to go seven innings, but he can go four or five. When, yeah. I, I'm not anticipating that, but I have not really read anything that he's ready to pitch. So I was anticipating that, though. But uh, the Yankees, with that luck that they seem to have, maybe it's because of George Steinbrenner or something like that. I don't know, but um, uh, I, I see the Orioles trending up if they stay healthy. Yeah, I, I certainly do, too. And it looks like it's going to be a really fun year here in Baltimore. Sam, are you doing any shows while you're down there? No. In fact, Glenn and I are talking about doing something tomorrow night, like around 7 or 8. But I just made plans. An old buddy of mine and I are getting together for dinner halfway between Fort Myers and, and Sarasota. We're going to meet. So I'm going to try and do something with Glenn, either like 5 o'clock or or something like um, Tuesday evening, or something gotcha. like that. Gotcha. Rough well, game by Maryland last night. Yeah. Second half. They, 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 
they had a, a, a nice run in the first half and a nice run in the second half that made you think they could put the game away, but Indiana just kept hanging around, and then when Maryland went ice cold, as they seemed to do, um, Indiana just ran away with it. It, it you know, it was... And I'll it, just tell you, listen, I, I think the world, uh, I think talent-wise, he's an, Reese is an amazing talent, yeah. but I think if he's with the team next year, Kevin has got to learn to play maybe six, seven minutes each half in a zone to protect him because yeah. he's he's useless once he gets that I was so happy I said I said to my cousin Ron he was leaving at halftime we went to a bar and restaurant and we're having dinner last night and I said you know I really like Maryland's chances in this game they were able to not to have to put Reese in and get the third foul in the in the first half and one minute into the second half he gets his third foul. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, I just can't believe how, and 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 it's usually an idiotic foul too. Yeah, so, you, you hit the nail anyway. on the head when you said earlier in the segment, Stan, that you look you liken him to Austin Hayes, where he makes a world of difference when he's when he's out there, but he can't stay out of the foul trouble, and that ends up hurting yep. the team. They yep. they don't have a contingency plan for him. All right, so enjoy the rest of your time right. down there. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next Saturday. Looking right. forward to it. Bye. See ya. That was Stan the Fan Charles, who continues to have great, two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with former Orioles outfitter Mike Devereaux after his stint as an instructor at spring training. You can find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Uh, Stan is obviously down in spring training. They were going to try and do, he's going to try and do something with Glenn tomorrow night. If it doesn't work out, he might try and do it on Tuesday. Um, so stay tuned for that if it does happen. But he will be back on our show again next Saturday, and then he'll be back to his regular routine after that. We're not going to catch... Nope. You know what? We're going to catch a break right now. I want to remind you that today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com. Baseball betting is here. You can get up to five second chance bets up to $50 each from PointBet along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball futures bets, uh, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland, so go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. When we come back in, little Yankees preview some Orioles banter to close things out on the battle round. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443-840. 2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Closing things out here. Uh, today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Simply check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, so we had Eric Bolin on the show a little bit earlier today talking about the Yankees. I embarrassed myself a little bit, but that's okay. I probably embarrassed myself weekly on this show, so it's <laughs> it's all good. Um, and look, we want to do our own little preview of the Yankees here, and we're going to try and not be biased because we're not Yankees fans. We're Orioles fans, right? That's why we do an Orioles show every Saturday. But we want to try and give a fair and unbiased opinion about the Yankees, and they're going to suck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, look, they, they had some really good depth as far as the talent for their rotation. When you're looking at potentially having a rotation where Nestor Cortez is your number five, and he's still potentially your number five, you have Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Domingo Herman, Luis Severino, um, uh, Nestor Cortez. Uh, I'm going to have to jump in here. I don't know if we can trust Domingo Herman. He was really good last year. He was. He made 15 starts. He was really good last year. All right, I'll give you it. You know, I I mean, (laughs) he's... Not pitched great this spring, but it's a limited sample size, yeah, and he's that. been really good in in the past. Okay. You know, he's had some serious issues. I think he's a scumbag. You know what I mean? But yeah. you know, that's not. I mean, they also employed the role as Chapman for like seven years, and he was a scumbag too. So, 
that's not for me to decide. They they can they can employ whoever they want. Um, but look, the rotation was looking really strong, but now Carlos Rodon is going to start the year on the IL. Uh, Nestor Cortez has a hamstring issue, and those soft tissue issues, soft tissue issues, soft tissue, <laughs> soft tissue issues, they seem to kind of linger. Uh, if you don't get them fully under control, yeah. they they tend to pop back up. Just ask Austin Hayes. Um, yep. So he is iffy right now. Montas is likely going to miss most of, if not the entire season. Yeah. Uh, so then, and like you said, Domingo Herman is iffy. Luis Severino, last year I think he made 20 starts, and he was, you know, that was the most he's made in like three or four years. I was going to mention him too. I mean, can, can you, you trust him? Can you really trust Luis Severino to stay healthy through a full season? I don't know if I can. I, I have not seen him sustain that success either over that long period of time he had the one I think it was 19 he had a really really good year where he was in the you know low threes ERA wise and he was might have been an all-star at that point but he hasn't done that since then he's been you know injured he's been off the field and he's had some issues you know just just trying to even come back and he's he's been placed in the IL numerous times now so we'll see what happens with him I don't I don't think the Yankees can can uh, definitely bet on him either there's a lot of guys in this rotation I think they are going to have trouble betting on yeah well, look it was uh, 2018. He was he 31 starts. That's what it was. 18, four, 14 and six with. I'm sorry, that was 2017. 17. Four, 14 wow. and six with a 2.98 ERA. Yeah. He finished third in Cy Young voting. He was an yep. All Star. Yep. 2018, 32 starts, 19 and eight with a 3.39 ERA. Um, he was an All Star. Finished ninth in Cy Young voting. Then he made just three starts in 2019. Yep. No starts in 2021. He didn't pitch in 2020. Right. And he made 19 starts last year. Now look, seven and three with a 3.18 ERA yeah. last year, and he threw 102 innings in those 19 starts, which is pretty good. Today's day and age, that's you know that's a quality starting pitcher for yeah. you. More than five innings uh, a start. So, is he's back and healthy? Right. He's still really good. He has made since 2018. He's made. 22 starts. Right. And he's appeared, in, tw- <laughs> right. and he's appeared I mean, in 26 games. So can you really say, as a Yankee uh, you know, front office member, can you really say, let's throw this guy out there and, and, and count on him without having the depth behind him? They, they've got to have other guys. And, and you know, of course, Eric noted no, you know, numerous other guys that could, could be uh, stepping in for, for injuries. But look, he's a big part of the rotation when he's healthy. I mean, mm-hmm. again, seven wins, 318 ERA. Those are good numbers. Yeah. Really good numbers. Yeah, in, in 19 starts. Like, right. like if he's back... That's a good pitcher for the Yankees. Yeah. Domingo Herman, up and down, really piece of human garbage. But he's he's a uh, guys that beat on women. I, I'm sorry, I, I have, agree. I, I have nothing nice to say I about you, you ever, except the fact that he's a, a he can be a really good pitcher despite being a piece of human garbage. Um, I just if he's good, he's good for them, you know. Um, but look, the Rodon thing, giving him six years. He's never thrown 200 innings. He's never thrown 180 innings. He's had Tommy John surgery. He had shoulder surgery. He had the elbow issue last year that he pitched through. He's got the same elbow issue this year. How do you know it's not worse? This time he's actually going to miss time. Is it going to get get pro- progressively get worse yeah. for him? And then you look at their lineup, and DJ LeMayhew, when he's healthy and right, yeah. is a really good hitter, but he's not getting younger. No. Aaron Judge monster year last year. He was a guy, if the Orioles had signed him, I would have ran naked through the quad. Wow. But th- they didn't. And, you know, last year when he was finally fully healthy, really for the first time, for the first full season since 2017 when he was rookie of the year with 52 mm-hmm. home runs, he hit 62 home runs last year. He was an absolute beast. Yeah. He was the American League MVP. That big bodies like that don't 
tend to last too no. long, and they're paying him a lot of money until he's 40 years old. Well, and LeMahieu as well. I think yeah. LeMahieu's contract ends when he's like 40, 38. Is it 38? Like, I was going to say 40. I think, he, I, I think he was 33 when he got a six-year contract. So, so 39, 39, yeah. That, L- even, me, um, even so, 39 is a really, really late uh, age to end a contract. And I believe it was like six years, $140 million, something along those lines. So LeMahieu's another guy who, again, he's just hasn't produced the same way uh, as he did when he was earlier as a Yankee, and then, of course, in Colorado as well. He was excellent. But LeMahieu is a guy who's... I think he's more reliable than a lot of the other ones on here and doesn't get injured quite as much. Uh, you know, in a contact bat, who doesn't rely on the power as much. So he's going to make, you know, make contact, play good defense, and, and, and be a, a cog in the lineup. I, I'm not too worried about LeMahieu for them. Well, so the thing with LeMahieu, he signed through 2026. Okay. He turns 38 in July of that okay. 2026 season. This is a guy who routinely would hit well over 300. He was an American yeah. League batting champion in 2020, a small season, but 364, uh, 364 batting average, yeah. 348 to be the National League batting champion in 2016. He's hit over 300, one, two, three, four, five times in his career. The last two seasons, 268 and 261, right. which is good, but not what you're paying him 20-plus million dollars a right. year to do. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, 32 home runs last year, but he's on the wrong side. He's, what, 32, 33 years old? They haven't signed two years, you know what, $18 million a year, and but he hit 221 last year. I, I don't mind Rizzo, though, because first basemen like that, are that's what he's there to do. He's there to hit the short porch and, you know, pepper home runs yeah, there. Yeah, and, he, and he's a good defensive first and baseman. And he's a good defensive first baseman, good good guy, good leader. Yeah, I like Anthony Rizzo. I, I hate that he's yeah, a Yankee. You know what, I, I think there's... I'll give the Yankees a pass on that. They've given out a lot of contracts that are really questionable. Aaron Hicks being by far the most questionable. Oh, I mean, my gosh. Seven years, $70 million for Ellsbury. a guy. Ellsbury. Yeah, Kobe Ellsberg is a pretty big one too. But I mean, he he earned that contract by being a monster his final season in Boston. 2012, but, I think he earned that contract. But and, he hit 34 home runs yeah. out of nowhere, drove in like yeah. 99. But he's never he never even got back on the field. Really no, I after know. that he was like the Brian Roberts for the Yankees. Yeah, Yankees have given out a lot of questionable contracts, and it comes back to the discussion that we have a lot on this show is that you know big contracts. Big AAVs, they don't always work out, and you've got to question them a lot. And if you get out too many of them, you're bound to have a few massively fail. And they've seen that with Hicks. Um, LeMayhew's contract, I'm not sure how good that's going to be, given the fact that he's already losing um, production year over year right now, and he's going to be 39 by the end of that contract. So they've given out some contracts that are questionable. But I... You know, even the Garrett Cole contract. I mean, I I love Garrett Cole, but he's pitched worse since he's been in in New York, by far. He... Is a he's there have been times when he's been really really good. Oh sure, of course. There have yeah. been times when he's been really really good, right? Yeah. But since coming to New York, and especially, and I hate to say it, but I mean you you can't ignore it. Since coming to New York, and ever since they got rid of the spider tax stuff, he's been worse. He's been worse. He's, well, that's he, factually he, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he went two eight four ERA in twenty twenty mm-hmm. in his first year with the Yankees. Yep. Then he went three two three, and that number really ballooned after the spider tech uh, mm-hmm. ban. And then three five zero last year. Three five zero is a really good pitcher. Yeah, is it worth thirty six million dollars a year? No, no. The Orioles had th- had, had uh, you know Dean Kramer was it was had a three two one ERA last <laughs> right. year. It, are you are you, are you mean, giving him thirty six million dollars a year? Cole Irvin, who got traded for you know a. a Middle tier prospect in Daryl Hernandez put up a three nine eighty right last yeah. year, yeah, and could easily do better than that in Camden Yards. Yeah, so so I, I, I look at the uh, look the Yankees. We're, we're kind of hating on them right now, oh, I, which is kind of like where we tend to go with this stuff. But they 
they're, they're going to be good. They're the Yankees. Yes. They're, they're, they're yes. going to be good. But it's not, to me, it's not as big a slam dunk no. this year because they have a lot of injuries, a lot of aging guys. And when you look at, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton has been on the downward trend for three years now, and he's that big body type. Like, like Aaron Judge, it, it's hard to keep that body yeah. in shape for 162 games a, a, a year. He's on the downward trend. You know, um, Glaber Torres had a really nice year last year. If he if he yeah. bounces if he has that same year this year, really quality player for mm-hmm. them. What about shortstop? What about third base? What about the other corner outfield spot? I mean, Connor Falefa, to his credit, is a great defender, really good defender. He can't hit. But he can't hit. He can't hit. He it's like th- Kyle Higashioka behind the he plate. He had like can't three hit. home runs last year, and they all came in September. Yeah. You know, and. and that, well, maybe that's a, a sign of progress for him. Maybe he'll hit three home runs a month and, you know, end up uh, in double 18. digits. Yeah, you never know. Uh, uh, to me, like, as as strong as their offense can be, and maybe Volpe is, is some... Volpe it, is excellent in in numerous ways. Volpe is a, is a five-tool talent who's going to be a, a quite a good player. Yeah, you've been talking about him for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, and, tra- and Trey Sweeney, a uh, shortstop they drafted the first round, I think in 21, uh, is excellent as well. Big power. Um, another guy I could easily come up and play short. I think Volpe's going to play a pretty big part in the season for them. I mm-hmm. Connor Falefa, again, I like the guy because he is uh, a, a quality defender and, and you know really reliable. Kind of reminds me of Jose Iglesias in a lot of ways where it's mm-hmm. just he's there for the defense, may give you you know the bat once in a while, but not not really a hitter, not known for it. Um, but Volpe is the whole package. Yeah. Well, uh, figures, he's a Yankee. Um, <laughs> he's good. How he's about good. Peraza? Yeah. You know what? Well, Peraza, I, so I remember reading a lot about Peraza prior to last season. And then when he actually made his debut, he was good. I, I wouldn't say he was great, but again, he was a rookie. So he's got a long way to go. But he was a top 100 prospect. Another guy who had been in the media a lot and talked about maybe wouldn't have been ranked quite as high if he wasn't a Yankee. Um, and he came up and he was he was good. You know, yeah. I, I think, and Peraza's versatile. That's the other part about Peraza that I think is important. He can play a lot of different positions, and they're going to ask that of him, I would think, this year. Look, the Yankees are going to be in, running the, in the running to win the division again this year. Um, if they get through that first month and get all those guys that they're going to be missing that first month of the year, except for Montas, if they get them back for the last five months of the season, they're going to be tough to beat. But they got to stay healthy, uh, and they've got to have better, more offensive production from guys not named. You know, LeMahieu, Stanton, Rizzo, yeah. Torres, and Judge. That's five guys. That's great. But you have such a huge drop-off after that yeah. that you have to wonder, you know, what, especially if they do it where, like, those are your first five hitters and then the bottom four of your lineup. Right. You know, but maybe they'll balance it out more than that. I just, they're going to be good. They're, they're, of course, they're, they're, yeah. We'll look at, at the standings at the end of the year, and they'll have 97 wins and win right. the division, and we'll be like, I just didn't think they were that good. The Orioles will go like seven and five against, or like they'll go like seven and six against them this year, and we'll be like, see, I just don't think that they were that good. Well, and yet they'll have 97 wins. Eric mentioned something really interesting. He said, and you can see me nodding if you go back and watch the the recording because I I really thought this was a great point. He said that they, they're going to pick a veteran starting pitcher up off the scrap heap, which they've done yeah. so many times. I mean, Jay Happ is a great example of what they were able to do. And Jay Happ was, for all intents and purposes, that's that's not maybe the word for it, but he, he, he served this purpose. He did his thing, and, and Jay Happ was somewhat dangerous. I mean, I, I can remember specific scenarios where he shut bad Orioles teams down pretty easily um, at the end of his career with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of guy the Yankees could go out and get 
and replace Frankie Montas with and say, here's our 37-year-old uh, who, you know, is four years past his prime, but hey, you know, he's still going to come in and, and play because he's a Yankee and we know how to we know how to get guys like this. They do you, that you wonder, routinely. You wonder how who will fit that mold. Maybe it ends up being a Spencer Watkins, you know? if cause I, Maybe. You know, I think that what they've shown is he's been going out after Grayson Rodriguez. Maybe they have him to piggyback in their bullpen on Grayson Rodriguez, but I can't imagine they'll, they'll keep Wells, both and Spencer Watkins in their yeah. bullpen. And, and Spencer, yeah. I, I think Spencer, I, he has one option left, but once they bring him up, if they send him back, I think one option's good for the whole year, though. Yes, it is. It, yeah. it, one one option's mm-hmm. good for the whole year, but maybe he's a guy who is like, look, just just release me. I think I can latch on with some other team. Um, I don't, I don't know, but as soon as he said that, as soon as Eric said that, Spencer Watkins was the first person I thought of. Okay. So it's it's just the Yankees, like I said, they're going to be good. It's just a matter of how good can they be? Can are they better than Toronto? I really don't think so. Like, are are, are they better yeah. than Tampa Bay? I, I don't believe in Tampa I think, Bay. I think they're but better I ne- than Tampa Bay. I never believe in Tampa Bay, and then they have ninety five wins at the end of the year. And I'm like, how the hell did that happen? But incredible production from the farm system. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. And their depth is always incredible. I mean, there are there are like seven guys in every position for that team that can come in and play and play well. And that's the dangerous part about them. They, they build such a deep farm. It may not have the quality of prospects like the Orioles farm does. Mm-hmm. You don't have the Gunnar Hendersons, the Jackson Holidays, but you have just depth. They have Wander Franco. Depth. They did. Uh, and, and he's been, you know, I, I would say, good but somewhat disappointing compared to what people thought he would be well but here's what you have to remember with him he came up towards the end yeah, of, 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 20, yeah. of 2021 and he was really good mm-hmm. and then he missed most of the year with injuries last year yeah. so we haven't really seen we've only seen small True. sample sizes we've only him. seen really rookie year he if if he looks the way that he's looked in spring training if he looks like that in the regular season mm-hmm. That's a really good player. Yeah, he, he he's a really good player. Regardless, I believe. Oh, no doubt. I'm not not denying that at sure. all. I, re- regardless, I believe the Yankees are better than the Rays by like a significant if margin. If you were to look at the Orioles roster mm-hmm. and you were to look at the Yankees roster and take away the name Orioles and take away the name Yankees, mm-hmm. how do the teams compare? Well, I think an exercise we could we could add up WAR uh, from the previous season for every single guy and see what it comes out to. I mean, that would Which, be a but good that, exercise. That's, that's going to be hard to do, though, with some of the guys who we think are going to be contributors for them that, that weren't at the major league that's, level That's last fair, year. and the Yankees would be the same way, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that'd be... But that, that's it, a fair argument. Yeah, so... so I, the or- I honestly... I think the Yankees have a better rotation when everybody's healthy, but I don't know that anything else is better. Uh, they have... Aaron Judge is better than any hitter that the Orioles have. By far, yeah. But... but yeah. After that, I don't know that they're much better. Only because of the fact yeah. that like, if this was three years ago, hell yeah, they're, they're much better. Sure. But right now, I look at the at the guys that are aging, and I, I look at. I think first base is is better. Um, I do think Rizzo. I, I would take Rizzo over Mountcastle personally, especially with right field being like it is with the Yankees. I, I think that Mountcastle is going to be a far more productive player this year. I really do. But, I think, but, I, think but, he, I, I think Rizzo will get on base more, but I think Mountcastle is going to be have a higher average. He might. I, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think he's going to have as many home runs as Rizzo just because of where they bat and when the, the home ballparks that each plays in. But I, I think that their defense is comparable. At this point, to me, because Mountcastle is younger, I take Mountcastle at this point. But if you told me I had to take Anthony Rizzo, I would take Anthony Rizzo because I I love Anthony Rizzo and I think he's a really good player. But I don't know. I I don't know that I think that the Yankees roster, um, top to bottom, is that much better, if better at all, than the Orioles. I I think that they're better in certain spots. But... 
This is all based on what I think the Orioles c- can be, not based on what they will be. What I think yeah. they can be and what they will be, it probably isn't the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and you mentioned Glaber Torres, too, and I was comparing his war to a guy like Ramon Arias. And Ramon Arias was about a three-and-a-half war player, while uh, Glaber Torres was 4.1. So he has maybe a slight edge there, uh, although you know Ramon's quite a better defender, quite a bit better. Yeah. Um, you compare those guys, and Mateo, again, around a three-and-a-half war player where – uh, he's beaten out by Glaber Torres. But Glaber Torres has a better bat than any Orioles in the field are not named Gunnar Henderson, I would think. And we haven't seen Gunnar Henderson prove that yet either. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, Glaber Torres, and obviously you look at Kiner Falefa, not really a quality piece there at short. You'd probably then, take Mateo over Kiner Falefa. I would. And then, you know, Josh Donaldson is aging. Um, I don't know what... He's not good anymore. I don't he's really just, know what you can expect out of Josh Donaldson. How many times did you see Josh Donaldson hit a fly ball that he went into his home run try, he pimped it, <laughs> and it got caught, like, in front of the warning track. Too many times. Yeah. It, it's it, like what Alfonso Soriano it, it, used to do. It cost the Yankees in the playoffs. He, mm-hmm. he, he did that. He ended up only getting a single out of it because he thought the ball was gone, and he yep. just walked down the first base and the ball wasn't gone, and yeah. it cost his team. I, I saw I, a, I saw a college player do that the other day. That was funny. Right? I, it was incredible. He, he, he tossed the bat, just started you know walking, ended up being caught as a flyout. Like, probably 10 feet from the wall. It wasn't even close. I remember seeing... <laughs> I remember waiting for Sammy Sosa to really get hot for the Orioles, and I remember he hit a fly ball one day and he hit it and he did his Sammy Sosa hop like oh that's gone mm-hmm. and the ball got caught like five feet in front of the warning track mm-hmm. and I remember thinking oh my god he's cooked he's cooked he yeah. he thought that that he thought that a routine fly out to left field in Camden Yards mm-hmm. a routine fly out in Camden Yards the previous Camden Yards yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was a home run, and it didn't even make it to the warning track. And yeah. I just remember being like, oh, my God, this isn't Sammy Sosa. No, not he's, the same Sammy. He's done. Um, look, the Yankees, like I said, they're going to be good. How good can they be? It depends on health and depends on if they have enough in that off, enough offensive firepower from some aging yep, stars. Definitely. And you never know. Maybe Donaldson bounces back and hits 260 with 25 home runs a year. I don't see it, but it, I hate Josh Donaldson. Like, I hate him. I've hated him since 2014. I cannot stand him, but I don't deny how great of a player he was yep. and that that could still be in there. Yeah, people forget how good of a defender he used to be. I mean, back mm-hmm. in in those days where Manny Machado and him were competing for the best AL East third baseman, really best third baseman in the league at that point, um, along with Nolan Arenado, of course. Um, those guys were battling it out as best defensive third baseman, again, along with Arenado. And Josh Donaldson was really good. but He's, he's his, an MVP. He, his, he has more MVPs than Manny Machado does. His body has drastically changed yeah. um, since those years. He, he's bigger now. He's slower. He's less agile. There isn't as much lateral side-to-side movement for him. So that that's where he is at this point. Yeah, career. I mean he's older. Yeah. He, he's in his mid thirties right. now, and not and that's younger than me. But he's I'm not a professional baseball player. You know he's he's not older. yet. Orioles might be calling. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They might might need yeah. a pitcher. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> mo- moving on. Let's move on to some Orioles banter here, and um, we want to talk about whose success for the Orioles means the most to the success of the team. And we've talked a, a lot today and a lot in the past about Ryan Mountcastle and how yeah. big of a spring he's having, and. and how much do you think that wall impacted him last year? Huge. Like not only not only you know if a ball he hits last year that would have been a home run um, wasn't not only that I mean there, there's plenty of that he he probably hit plenty of balls 333 feet or whatever it used to be that would have been home runs I think it was over it was around like six or seven right I think that was that so that's the factual side of it but also what he did to his head what I mean yeah. I think is, is a huge part of it. And, and, and that's the thing where, like, I'm watching him tear the cover off the ball down in, down in spring training. He doesn't have that huge wall in left field. 
he's not thinking about that wall. When he gets up here, how how good is he going to be with that wall being out there? Are we going to? And the thing about Ryan Mountcastle, he's a he's a really good hitter, and people forget that because he struggled so much last year. Ryan Mountcastle is a really yeah. really good hitter. If he can stop the, if if he can get his mindset to not be, I need to hit a home run and just drive the ball yeah. gap to gap. The home runs are going to come, yeah. and, and they're going to come all over the field. They come when you're not trying. Yeah, exactly. And and so with with Mountcastle, he can he'll, he'll be as good as he wants to be. He'll be as good as he wants to be if he can get that that wall out of his head. Yeah. I really think that that 100%. had a huge impact on his season. And he was also incredibly unlucky. We've discussed that at length over the last several months. Um, but I really do believe that he's primed for a big year. He's ben, critical. Ben McDonald seems to think that he's going to hit 30 home runs. I don't know about that. Yeah. Because I, that wall is not is going to take away some home runs like it did last year. He dropped from 33 to 22. But learn to go the other way. Yeah. Honestly, that that's the biggest thing for him. He's got such great power the other way. I just wish he could harness it. I mean, you see so even Austin Hayes goes the other way a lot. You saw Trey Mancini go the other way a ton last year where mm-hmm. you you know as as a right-handed hitter, that's the kind of uh, you know, adaptation you've got to make exactly and, and for all we know that's something Mountcastle's done that's mm-hmm. something he worked on in the offseason he's a professional hitter he's a guy who can say you know what if I want to have better power numbers with that left field wall being my, in my home ballpark I got to learn to go the other way right. a lot more often JD Martinez told himself how to do it yep. you know and he became a prolific hitter because of that it's not out of the realm of possibility for Ryan Mountcastle but if he becomes the player that we saw him in the minor leagues and we thought that he was going to be after his first two rookie seasons. Mm-hmm. He, he, he had two rookie seasons. Um, if he becomes that player, it's huge for this team because we talked about the need for a middle-of-the-order bat. Now he slots in the middle of your order and you can trust him to to drive. I legitimately think of Austin Riley when I, when I look at Ryan Mount. I think okay. that that's Ryan Mountcastle's potential. I don't know that he'll ever have the on-base capabilities, but I think he can hit for that average, hit for that power, and that kind of production. It's possible. You know, so him that player being in the middle of the Orioles lineup is huge yeah. for this team. I like that Stan mentioned Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes finally turning into that. To me, this is this is it. This is it for him. If he doesn't do it this year, he's not going to be here. You know, so for me, uh, Austin Hayes, two eighty, twenty five home runs, and ninety RBIs out of Austin Hayes. That's a four and a half win player. Yeah. A four and a half five win player, oh, yeah. especially if he, if he goes out and plays some good defense. That's a four and a half to five win player. I don't expect that out of him, but if he can hit two seventy with twenty five home runs, driving yeah. driving seventy five and play good defense, that's a that's a really really good player for the Orioles. That's yeah. that's who he, he can be. And maybe twenty five is lofty. Maybe if he hits eighteen to twenty two home runs, yeah, that's a really good player. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. Yeah, and if he does, and you can now bat him sixth, that's that's huge for the Orioles. But Mountcastle and Mountcastle Hayes. And Cedric Mullins, to me, are the three big... Because you, Rutschman's numbers are going to be there, you think. Yeah. Gunnar Henderson, even if he struggles to start, he'll figure you it out. You would hope, yeah. You know, because he always does. At least in his minor league career. And he has that kind of makeup and that build and that yeah. drive. But Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, getting back to their 2021 form is so huge for this team. It's so important. Mullins, if he hits 280 with 15 home runs, 35 doubles, 50 steals. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a player. Oh yeah. If if five he's, war player plus. He, he doesn't need to hit 30 home runs. I don't nobody and, and bat 300. But if he he's got to figure out against lefties. The entire team has to figure out against lefties. I don't want to see Anthony Santander hit 248. No. I, I 
but he might. Hey, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, that, he very that, that, he kinda, very well could. That's kind of what he does. He's yeah. a, he's about a two fifty hitter. Uh, okay, bat him fifth. That's fine, I guess. But I, I I don't know. I guess I'm saying I want every player in the Orioles to be an All Star, and I know that that's that that's not likely. But those three guys to me, Mountcastle, Hayes, and Mullins, bouncing back, and not the Mullins didn't have a bad year last year, but but getting back to what we saw in 2021 is so huge for what the Orioles have added yeah. since then that it just makes them it makes them a world beater. There's two guys I want to I want to throw in here. Sure. Um, Michael Givens, I feel like could be a really important part mm-hmm. of this team. Mm-hmm. A, a guy that can be really consistent in the seventh or eighth inning is key. It's so critical, and the Orioles had that last year with CNL Perez. But I think I I, I don't want to put this out there like it's a definitive, but I there will be some regression yeah. I think from CNL Perez. But a guy like Michael Givens, who has that experience, who's been around for a while, he's a veteran, and he, he's pitched in Baltimore before, plenty of times, and now it's easier to pitch in Baltimore. Michael Givens, I'm expecting a big season from, and and having that reliability from him, I think is going to be really important. Uh, and two, Jorge Mateo. If he can turn the bat around, if the OBP can get up near God, even 290 at this point, I mean, that's all you would ask. If he can do any of that and improve his approach, he will be a huge player. He was three and a half WAR player as a horrible hitter last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jorge Mateo can't start for my team. Uh, I, I know that's so unpopular. People love him. I love Jorge Mateo too. Mm-hmm. He is electric. He's exciting. Yeah. There are times when he's the m- most exciting player on the entire field. More more often than not, he can't hit. Right. We we heard Keith Law say that Kyle Sowers can't hit. Jorge Mateo really can't. No. <laughs> Keith, Keith Law said he is the worst hitting position player in Major League Baseball. That is what Keith Law said about Jorge Mateo. He said he is the worst hitter in Major League Baseball. He's not a good hitter, and he hasn't shown to be a good hitter this spring. Everybody talks about that five-week stretch that he had last year. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Chris Davis had a five-week stretch in 2019 after he started over 54 where he hit over 300. Yeah. And we didn't think he was back. You know, like, I want Jorge Mateo on this team. I don't want him starting at shortstop. I want him to play be a super utility guy who can get a starter two at shortstop every week and get a starter two in the outfield. He can steal a bit. He can come in late to be a to be a defensive replacement, to be a pinch runner. I still think that he is a very very Jorge Mateo as a bench player on any team is phenomenal. Oh yeah, he's the worst hitting starting shortstop in the American League. Yeah. It, 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 and it's not close. And Falefa isn't great either, but they had around, I think, around the same OPS plus where it was quite a bit below average. Um, the average OPS plus for a guy is 100, and Connor Falefa came in at 84. Let's see where Mateo came in. I think, I think it was like 76. It would have been a little lower, yeah. So, you know, not great. In 76, let's see where he was at. He was at 81. So, actually, 81. Not, not too far off from Connor Falefa, which means he's 19% worse than the average major league hitter. Mm-hmm. So, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. But, it, but the thing is, you take him over over Connor Falefa because he's got he's more toolsy. Yeah, he, and he, he's he, got he, a lot of raw power. Yeah. So, look, would I love it if Jorge Mateo came out this year and hit two forty and hit fifteen home runs mm-hmm. 
and had an on base percentage of 290 to go along with the defense. And if he hits 240 and gets on base at a 290 clip, he's going to steal 50 bags. Yeah, that's going to happen. Oh yeah, you know, and he continues to play that defense. Yeah, I, I'd love that. I still wouldn't bat him anywhere but ninth, and would still be nervous when he came up to the plate. But you can accept that with the rest of the lineup if Mullins, Hayes, and Mountcastle get back to being those players that they were two years ago. Yep. Yeah, it's it's going to be big for them. Uh, Mullins off to kind of a slow start in the exhibitions for Team USA. Um, but they start playing their real games in earnest tonight. Tonight. Um, so that'll be exciting to watch. Um, and I'll get to watch most of that game because yeah. my shift will be just about over at that point. But um, I think the Mullins is going to have a nice year. I think they're all going to have nice years. And for Hayes, it's the most important for Hayes. It's the most important for him because if he doesn't, he's not going to be here. Yeah. Mountcastle, you can justify him. Mullins, is gonna, Mullins, I think, is a, is a prime candidate for an extension. Um, sure. Hayes... You, you can't if he has another year like last year. You can't justify no. it, and and that's the other thing is they got all of them with the exception of Mullins got off to Mountcastle and Hayes got off to such hot starts last year. How are you going to trust it until you see it in July yeah. and August? You know, can't. you you have to see it. So, but look, it's going to be an exciting year for the Orioles. We're not that far away from opening day. Uh, the fact that we can have these conversations, we can think about their depth and how how vastly improved it is from. Basically, yeah. over the last decade, they didn't have this kind of depth when, when Buck was here. The, it's it's going to be a really fun year, a really fun year. And I can't. I, I'm looking forward to more Orioles banter segments. Where we can talk about how good this team is and how good they can be. So, uh, you have anything else before we get out of here today? Honestly, I do not. I think we covered it all, and uh, you know, just looking forward to the Orioles are on TV today uh, from Toronto's broadcast. If you have any way to get that, you said you should be able to get it through MLB. You 100 percent can get it on MLB okay. TV. Yeah. If, so if the Orioles were, were on Masson, you wouldn't be able to get it. Um, but because they're not, because it's Toronto's feed, um, and the Orioles don't have a uh, a feed at the same time, you'll be able to watch it. I'll read this lineup, uh, the, the lineup off that, that Rock tweeted out. Sure. Uh, you have Vavra, Henderson, O'Hearn, Cordero, Westberg, Lester, Cameron, Kowser, Ben Boom, and Austin Voth as the starting pitcher. Okay. Not the greatest lineup in the world? No. I mean, you get to see, you know, uh, Westberg and, and Kowser and Henderson and, and Vavra. And Vavra. And, but that's... Uh, if you like O'Hearn and big, Cordero big, and Lester yeah. and... Yeah. And Ben Boom, okay. And Daz Cameron. Yeah, like if you like those guys, that's cool. Um, yeah. Just anytime we can watch Orioles baseball, that's cool with me. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our guests for joining us. Uh, Stan the Fan, Charles for his weekly segment, and Eric Boland from Newsday, who covers the New York Yankees. Uh, special thanks to him. Thank you to all of our listeners. We have no show without you. Thanks to our sponsors. We have no show without you either. Uh, until next week, see ya.